1: i say welcome again i already said that in the intro i guess so. just keep it real I casual keep it real casual hey yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. you know start yeah off with logan a... you got a better radio why don't you start this and then oh
2: jeez. <laughs> start i don't even know Fresh what to say
3: Pressure's on yeah just go for it josh i, right. I believe in you hey everybody
0: <laughs> <laughs> hi dr nick <laughs>
3: I think you blew out the your microphone or something.
2: <laughs> I think Jesus, we're Jesus Christ. That I <laughs> think we're. I don't know why. Just Sorry, so folks. Funny that's to not angry. how it's supposed to go.
1: Okay, nope, nope. No, no, we're st- not starting that way. All right.
0: Josh is a low energy podcast <laughs> host. <laughs> somebody, <laughs> hey, somebody that has everybody. more energy
1: than me, fucking do it. I-, I can't do it. Hey. All right.
0: Welcome to the first episode of our brand new podcast. Ooh. <laughs> Spooky.
1: What album are we talking about today? Oh,
0: Bleach? Well, we're talking about Bleach. But at, l- at least like banter with me a little bit. Banter first.
1: with you. The first. This is the first we're episode of our yeah, Nirvana we're not, series. We
3: haven't even had dinner yet. Where are you trying? Yeah, to take us. Me pick up. Right we should. By dinner. the way, we should Josh? be saying
1: who we are here. I, I, I again. I We've know already we said, said who we, we are. Said we said in we the are. intro, but you establish your voice right. So I'm I'm Josh, and and uh, I play bass in the band. I know it said that in the intro, but. <laughs>
3: Why are you here, Josh? What are we voice?
1: doing? We're talking about Bleach. So we're going to do a series on on Nirvana. This is the first one on their first album uh, to be followed by the others. But before we get into that... Um, That's uh, let's, a uh, who, who else is here? Who else, somebody else say else. name. I'm
0: Blake and I sound like this. <laughs> I'm introducing my voice. We are more of that and we do <laughs> discographology. <laughs> Look... We're a scrappy little.
3: Band. That's Matt. That was that's, Matt talking. That's
1: Matt talking. Just trying from to get from a scrappy names to little voices. town,
3: and I'm scrappy, do Hey, before oh, we I get into Logan. that, what
1: uh, Jinkies? Although we are doing a podcast talking about uh, albums, you know, in in the past, we're not necessarily listening to that nonstop right now. Um, so I, I think it's good to just kind of discuss what we're currently um, listening to and and what we're kind of. Uh, Exploring out there, I can I can start us off and say that uh, I have been listening to the new Jason Isbell record Reunions, um, which I I picked up in the last couple weeks or so, Um, as well as what else? Uh, I recently bought the Fragile.
3: Ooh, that's a good album.
1: It's my favorite that, a few, a few nails. albums,
3: nails album.
1: Yeah, it's, I am it's,
4: looking it's, forward to that series because I have not heard a lot of that album, and I know it's supposed to be very good.
0: It's bro, uh,
4: Stephen so Ste- Hayden in his in his book uh, Twilight of the Idols actually li- uh, marked that as the end of the classic rock era. That
2: uh,
0: that album, Whoa. wow! It's the final like concept album, like album based rock, the yeah, last one ever sure. made.
1: I, well, I so I, it I actually picked very it up very polarizing with, uh, with the uh, Iggy and the Stooges raw power, and uh, Talking Heads remain in light mainly just trying to pick up a few older albums that maybe I never really gave. Ooh, we a ton should of we got to do
0: Talking Heads at some point.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that would be a good one. No, that, that would be a no really joke. Good I'm serious. So, yeah, no Talking
3: Heads would be great.
1: So I, I, I know those are all like standard, you know, sort of classic albums, but. Um, other than maybe the fragile, I don't know if the fragile is necessarily regarded as a classic album yet, but, but I've been listening to those three and then the the new Jason Isbell (laughs) record, like I said, and yeah, that's sort of what I've been listening to. What about you guys? Well,
4: I have listened to quite a bit of Nirvana, uh, in preparation for this series, and that's, uh, that's what I've listened to quite a bit. Uh, I, I guess I also have listen, uh, been spinning, and I think, Josh, I think you gave me this record, my uh, vinyl copy of uh, All Things Must Pass.
1: Ooh, great. I think that's actually a great album to be listening to right now in light of the current <laughs> circumstances. I find that album to be very uh, uh, hopeful and and sort of a nice, uh, I don't know if uplifting is the right word, but it just it feels like a very... Um, I don't know, meditative sort of record. And and I I think that's a great one to be listening to right now, especially. Anybody else? Radio silence?
0: Cool, cool. Uh, Yeah, uh, so I've been listening to Hayley Williams' first solo record. Um, You might know her from Paramore. (laughs) I called it uh, the best release of the uh, COVID-19 era.
1: Is it an era now? We're defining that there's an era of music related to it? Okay.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. A great, great little double vinyl. I picked that up. The most recent, my most recent uh, music purchase was today. I just pre-ordered Dedicated Side B from Carly Rae Jepsen, which is the B-side album to her most recent LP, Dedicated. And I'm excited for that excellent cool oh also can i mention i i started sorry i started listening to phoebe bridgers for the very first time i know i'm late to the party on this one the jury's still out but it's it's not the thing i normally listen to
1: i've only heard motion sickness that song i really like that one that's good and that's
0: good i'm i'm liking the stuff that's more upbeat a lot of it's what I call sad bastard music. So you know, what, you know not, who Motion
1: sickness is about, right? She's getting a little gossipy here. Dave Coulier? He, wait. <laughs> no, do you know who it's uh, about? Let me really? guess. Is Connor Oberst? No, it was about Ryan Adams. She was with Ryan Adams. Oh mm-hmm. right. She she one was of one of the people there. that yes. called them out. Yeah. And if you listen in that right, song, right. she makes some... She says there's a lyric about uh, why do you sing with a British accent? And so uh, it's aimed at <laughs> I remember. Adams. I remember that. I listened to it the
0: other day, and I was like, that's a funny lyric. I didn't know it was about him. That yeah. is funny.
1: Not about Dave Coulier. <laughs> uh, but Logan? Dave Couillet does sing with a British accent. He does. <laughs> he does the woodchuck voice in a British accent.
0: Yeah, why he got to sing like that?
3: I... I'm scrolling through what I listened to today. It looks like I listened to a little bit of uh, Nerf Herder's American Cheese album. Um, <laughs> I've been listening to some Ghost. Ooh. And I just pre-ordered uh, the new Zombie album. And I'm really excited about that. That's going to come out are They like a the Are summer. they like
1: t- uh, electronic? What are they?
3: So it's pretty much composed of two guys. It's like Steve Moore... And then uh, A.E. Patera on drums. And Steve Moore plays like synthesizers and bass. So they've got this drum set up. And he's just, A.E. Patera is just an amazing drummer. And then you got Steve Moore who's just surrounded by like keyboards and like has a bass strapped on. And they just go to town. And it's amazing. It's like, it's, it's purely instrumental. There's no vocals. And it's all, it started out and it was pretty much like a. Kind of like a tribute to almost like Goblin, um, that style of music. Uh, That's a good of the thing 70s to 70s horror, Italian horror kind of sound. And it's just morphed into like this crazy prog rock band, but it's with synthesizers and great drums. A.E. Patera also uh, releases his own music under Majeure, And it, he's phenomenal. If you're Blake, anybody into drums, Check out yep. A.E. Patera. But then uh, the only other thing I, I'm i really excited about, I pre-ordered the Omar Rodriguez Lopez Cloud Hill Tapes 1, Ooh. 2, and 3. And apparently it's only being re- released in the UK, and I sound super pretentious saying this, but I ordered it, and I'm super excited about it. It's three albums worth of music with a range of different guest spots, and I don't know who all the guests are, but... That kind of stuff uh, usually ends up being pretty rare, anything Mars Volta or Omar Rodriguez Lopez-related, so I snatched that up as quickly as I could.
1: It's awesome. Yeah, nice. it, I, just listening to everybody say like what they're listening to, it's it's funny how we have these varied music tastes, but we are all in a band together and, and play music and, and uh, have some common uh, interest there, despite, you know, maybe like, uh, that's, that's a wide variety of music tastes, but... No, it all it all it all comes out in the end. Um, we
0: are different, but <laughs> we are different we are, people. We are also same.
1: Same. Uh, hey, before we uh, go over and talk about bleach and what uh, our, our breakdown of that, uh, just real quickly, uh, any music scene news here in Springfield, Missouri, uh, with with the pandemic, everything's kind of shut down. Um, yeah. I, I know, kind of looking forward. <laughs> For Me, I actually still have a, a concert that I have tickets to that still is apparently happening but haven't heard anything, which is in July. Uh, uh. supposedly, uh, Avit Brothers at the Lake of the Ozarks, but who knows if that's actually where at Lake happen. of the Ozarks? Uh, the amphitheater. Oh, I think? the stone,
3: it used to be Stone Ridge. So it's crazy, like with this pandemic, uh, the two places that I've pretty much called home or grown up Lake of the Ozarks. Camdenton and then oh, Springfield boy. is both like in the national news uh, <laughs> unfortunately with the pandemic. the that
1: that David Brothers concert I'm assuming will be canceled very soon because they've canceled like every other tour date. Um, so for whatever reason that yeah, one is not but
0: maybe they're they're keeping the lake of the ozarks one on the books because they, they watched the news and they saw that they like to party. <laughs> well, they do like to party. I
1: imagine that and, band is probably like I don't know if I want to go hang out with all these people but yeah.
0: In in their
1: defense
3: it's usually in the summer like people are visiting from all over so it's yeah. not like usually like the lake of the ozarks people are having to like serve all these people that are like flooding their, you know, area so Right. But uh
1: yeah, it, um, I'm sure
3: it's been interesting.
1: That's the only concert, though, I had sort of on the books for, for coming up. I don't know about you guys. If you had tickets to anything this summer, maybe that got well, canceled. Well,
3: yes.
4: We were going to see They Might Be Giants in St. Louis. Oh. Uh, and that has been postponed for a year. Damn. Oh, my God. That would be so great. I want to, yeah, yeah, like well, to go to that. Yeah, I would like to go to that. Well, and it was the 30th anniversary of the of the release of Flood, and that's what they were touring on. Oh and I God. don't know that Jeez. they were going to play Flood in its entirety, but uh, but it was... But they should. It's, it's going to be the 31st anniversary when, when we get to go see them. Wow. <laughs> oh, that's pretty
0: incredible.
1: I, I saw them at the pageant a few years ago, and they are really good.
0: I would love to see them. I've never band. got to see them, but I really want to. Blake, yeah. uh, Bucket didn't, list you, band.
1: Blake didn't you have tickets yeah. to something that got canceled?
0: I do. I have some Ticketmaster woes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't we all? My wife and I have Rage Against the Machine tickets that oh, were postponed to July. That's a punch in the gut. It it was supposed to have already happened. Um, we haven't quite decided if if we want to go in July or if it will still happen in July, um, but they have made a new date. Um, also holding Billie Eilish tickets, which are postponed with no uh, postponement date. Uh, mm. So Ticketmaster has roughly i don't know five thousand of my dollars right now i can't do the math <laughs> oh
3: my god <laughs> have you seen Billie eilish
0: before no your, i don't do stadium shows time? a lot okay. yeah and it's i'm a little scared of a, a stadium of 15 year old girls and I'm, I'm i'm way in the back don't Dude, worry i felt like uh, that
3: at uh lana del rey uh oh really totally felt like oh my god there are just teenagers and like yeah <laughs> i just felt so out of place i was just like oh, i'm gonna stand and, in the back and just drink this uh
0: tall boy here with my wife and we're gonna rock
2: I think, out I th- I think, <laughs> <laughs> and
0: i well i mean that that was probably an even older crowd comparatively i think billy's fan base averages age about 11
1: oh my gosh
0: <laughs> so obviously as a 35 year old man i'm i'm very <laughs> into this type of music
1: so Logan, did you have tickets or anything? I don't know if you've said
0: No. I'm pretty
3: much just like counting on like uh holding up, not doing anything, and being extremely boring. So that's the smart the smart <laughs> yeah. thing to do. Yeah. I'm just uh hunkering down and uh trying to, you know, just work and uh work on some creative projects and record some more music with you guys, which I should say yeah. we've we've got we've got some songs going. I'm pretty excited about uh as a yeah. band, we're more of that together, and we actually play in a band together, but we don't play out a whole lot, but we do record and I we think are loaded for stay. bear
2: we're ready <laughs> we're ready, ready to rock i think we're, we we're we decided
1: there. that uh recording some songs right now wouldn't be enough, so we added a podcast on our plates as well but uh we yeah, we are working on songs right now. We're Not in Beatles songs?
0: post-1965 mode. I
1: think we Ooh. have eight eight songs we've been working on, yeah. seven or six or seven. No, actually less than, because there's actually a couple that kind of have come about since the, the quarantine, the pandemic, that we're kind yeah. of, uh, have been yeah. building that way. Um, and, and hopefully we'll, you know, put some of those at the very end of this uh, podcast, we might Throw one to you know lead us out that kind of thing. Uh, maybe uh, eventually once some of them get finished, we'll put them on there. for
3: For yeah, our listeners th- that don't know, we've recorded one album together so far called Now More Than Ever, and that was ten songs. Uh, so and then we've released a couple. Uh, we released a cover song of uh, I've Been Thinking About You by London Beat. But our next our next project, I th- the first project we all wrote and sang and. It it was, but this time I think Blake, you've got some songs on uh, some of these mm-hmm. new ones, and uh, that's for pretty the first exciting. time
0: they're letting the drummer write some songs, and that's always a good idea. If if, if history is any indication, I think it's working uh, out really well. Genesis. I'm really, yeah. I'm <laughs> don't oh god, please don't. I'm really excited for we. There's at least there's at least one or two songs that are like 100% quarantine songs created like in our separate houses, but mixed together. and Assembled I like through digital turnia. magic. Right. The magic of the internet and Dropbox. Yeah, we're all separated
3: pretty much and in our own living spaces and connecting through the magic of the internet. So we're pretty excited about doing something. At least talking to each other. It's <laughs> better than just sitting here by Zoom. myself.
1: <laughs> well, let's uh we're going to talk about Bleach today and we'll go over to that in just a second. The last thing, uh, I don't know if you guys had anything else, but before we uh, go over to that, which is going to be the bulk of this episode. It's the the discographology segment where we talk about uh, a specific album today, being Bleach. I wanted to, to throw out there uh, a fundraiser. If anyone lives, well, you don't have to live in the Springfield area, but you can you could donate anywhere. But uh, a local venue that all of us you know have played many shows in the Outland um here in Springfield Missouri is is needing some help due, due to the pandemic you know they haven't been able to do any shows so if you go over to gofundme.com and just search for help the outland complex survive covid-19 so uh if if you can do anything you know to donate or share or anything like that you know go go do that uh, it's 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 a venue that's been around for a long time in Springfield and uh, many, many, many bands have played um, shows there, either yeah. starting out or at some point. So, yeah. And I'm sure there's... Yeah, there's we've definitely places. all
0: played there. and Yeah, we, we've all been in in a bunch of bands uh, separately, and I bet if we combine them all, we've played like 200 total shows, <laughs>
2: or,
0: probably more than that, at, at the Outland. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah, doubt that at all. Bit.
3: And for our listeners out there, uh, we are going to be talking about Bleach, Nirvana's Bleach today, but we hope to go through the band's catalog, give a good research and study on on that band's discography, and then move on to maybe a different band, or we just basically want to go through and talk about a band's catalog, uh, what they made, how it changed over the years, um, because a lot of bands... They only release a few albums or they release a ton of albums or they have all the same members or you've got new members or
1: No, yeah. So with that being said, let's uh let's go over and talk about Bleach.
3: This is our first record. Most people don't own it. By some luck, our guide guardian angel pointed us in the direction of Reciprocal Studios and Jack and Dino. Mm Who knows Jonathan Poneman and Jack and Dino turned Jonathan Poneman on to our tape, and he thought it was really groovy. And he gave us a call, and we made a single, and then we made a record, and now this—we're here today. Yeah, all, the,
4: all the material on this record was written in Olympia. Yeah. yeah. So
2: what
4: was the first crazy song? Oh, it's out of even more anger. Yeah. <laughs>
1: So to start off with some background on the album, the the writing and recording of the album, uh, I thought it would be good to start by kind of saying it would be it'd be too much to go into the entirety of you know Nirvana's formation and background and all that stuff. I mean, you can go look all that up. This podcast is more focused on on specific albums than maybe a whole band's history. But suffice to say that at the time of recording, Nirvana was a three piece or four piece more on that later uh, that was formed in 1987 by Kurt Cobain and Chris Nova And by the time of recording this album had drummer Chad Channing as their main drummer. Again, more on that kind of thing as more we go. of that, more on. of that as we go. Uh, Matt, did you have some things to say about, you know, Nirvana at this point in their career?
4: Uh, yeah. Uh, as we said, this is their debut and you know, it, I think a lot of a lot of folks know about Nirvana. Certainly, folks our age, um, people think of Nirvana as a Seattle band, but uh, w- which they were. But uh, this was more of an Aberdeen record, or at least an Olympia uh, record. They they were kind of the uh, kind of the, the country kids Uh-oh. on the Seattle scene.
1: So Bleach was recorded at Reciprocal Recordings in Seattle with producer Jack Endino from 1988 to 1989. Um, On Christmas Eve 1988, they went into the studio for five hours, then came back again for a three-day run culminating on New Year's Eve and finishing up with a couple dates in January 1989, clocking in at around 30 hours in that studio. And while the exact cost of the recording differs, according to source, most hover around the $600 mark. And I noticed in a lot of the research that was really pointed out. It's not necessarily something where every episode I'm going to go into how much it costs to make a record, but everything you you look up on this album talks about how it was around $600. And the other thing it always mentions is that that was paid for entirely by Nirvana's guitarist at the time, one of their guitarists with Kurt, uh, Jason Everman. Um, supposedly, Everman had heard some demos recorded by the band that they had already done with Melvin's drummer, Dale Crover, who we'll talk about a little bit later. So they took the money and liked ran. Them enough, they liked them enough to pay for the recording of a full album. Actually, it's funny you say that, Logan, because uh, they did credit Everman on the album as a guitarist, despite the fact that he doesn't play on any of it. Uh, He's also on the cover. And he is on the cover, yeah, which I'll get to in a second. And and Jason and Everman is sometimes... He's I an executive producer, sorry. He's, he, he's on a couple of those lists of, like, people who quit a band right before they became big, because he's listed he's, as being in Nirvana. He did play some gigs with them, as evidenced by the cover photo. But, Matt, you had some information on Jason Everman post-Nirvana career. Oh, God. <laughs> what? This can't be good. What, a. What, uh, <laughs> Well, no, it's not too bad, right? Uh, Matt, do you have that info? Uh,
4: yeah, he actually went on to serve in Iraq and, and Afghanistan and, and served with distinction.
0: I'm going to put a little bit of patriotic music underneath Good, this portion. Yes. So, what
1: you were know. you
2: going to say, Matt? Uh, My
4: stream uh, cut out a little bit. Uh, Josh, did you mention that, that he was also temporarily a uh, guitarist in Soundgarden?
1: I did not. That Whoa. I did not find that. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the main things I've found about Jason Everman is that he – a is listed as a guitarist on Bleach, even though he, he doesn't play. Although, on reissues, they do mention that he, or he's no longer listed as, as guitar playing on that album. How do you get um, that $600, though? Yeah, Kurt Cobain specifically says they never paid him <laughs> back. Um, oh. But yeah, the other the, thing I know about Jason Everson, Everman is he has a TED Talk, if you're interested. <laughs> There's a TED Talk <laughs> called... Like, TED Talk oh, is called... Wow.
0: I gave Nirvana six hundred dollars and never heard <laughs> oh. from them again. One time I gave
3: him six hundred dollars. It's
1: the, total clickbait. Yeah. It's it's actually about like his Find military out. career X- and yeah. <laughs> One other side note I I do want to mention here I gave
0: Nirvana six hundred dollars. You won't believe what happened next. <laughs>
1: One other side note is uh, Reciprocal Studios would eventually be closed and go through various hands until it was bought by Death Cab for Cutie guitarist Chris Walla and renamed Hall of Justice Recording, which it still is to this day. Uh, I believe still owned by Chris Walla and named Hall of Justice. Is it the triangle building?
0: It is, yeah. It's kind
3: of a triangle
1: wedge shape. Reciprocal? Yeah. It's kind of
0: really shitty looking if you've I I was looking at it.
3: All the windows were boarded up.
0: In Christopher Cross's book, uh, they, they talk about. Not Christopher
1: Cross, Charles Cross. Christopher I'm Cross, sorry. guy that sang uh, <laughs> "Sailing," I believe.
4: Fly like the wind. Yeah. I'm, I'm holding the book, and I read I the wrong Cross. name. In Charles Cross's book. Uh, they, they talk about. I think
0: you mean
1: Chris,
4: Chris Cross.
2: Oh, wiggity whack
4: and, uh, and and it sounds like a very you know, it's a storied uh, studio. It's uh, and very worn. Um, you know, lots of just damage to the walls, and and you know, a, a neat neat place to make a record.
1: I was actually uh, – well, I'll talk about the – I, I was actually thinking about – I wondered if um, the the Yeltsin guys – I don't know if we can cut – we should cut this. I don't know. But I always wondered if they went and recorded there. Cause I don't want to get sued. They, well, they recorded with Chris Walla, <laughs> and I know Phil oh, is like a huge Chris Nirvana Walla fan. Chris Walla is extremely
0: litigious. And so. I was just
1: like, he's a huge Nirvana fan. Why – like I feel like they would be – definitely go up there and record at some point, but – yeah, it, it sounds it sounds plausible. I think. Okay, so moving on, the album was originally possibly going to be titled oh. "Too Many Humans," but was changed after. <laughs> that's,
3: changed, I, I wish it
1: were named that.
3: Uh, oh, but it was a pretty good record
1: title. <laughs> but was changed Too after Kurt humans. saw an AIDS prevention poster that told heroin addicts to quote bleach their works. Which works, works? meaning needle- mean? needles to bleach oh. the needles. Which so this is very
0: outdated h <laughs> h user slang. I guess yeah, I guess so. <laughs> man, so the, bleach
1: your works, man. The title your the works changed to bleach, which I think that's why bleach is in quotes on the cover as well. The, I the love, I love poster.
0: that it's in quotes. I love that it's the text Nirvana and then same font below but quotes bleach. <laughs> They were actually on a
4: tour in San on tour in San Francisco where he saw that that billboard and from everything that I've read about that tour, it, it it did not sound like a very fun tour. That that was actually the tour where he fired Jason Everman and uh, in New York City and they canceled the rest of their uh, their shows and drove in silence the three thousand <laughs> miles back to Seattle.
3: I'd like to be a. <laughs> A fly How often do you think
1: Jason Everman thought about the $600 on that? (laughs) He's like, like, (laughs) did they steal
3: more money from him? (laughs) That's the story I
2: want.
1: What was he fired for, though? I I just think they decided, wasn't it, Matt knows probably more, but I I think it was, they decided they just didn't need another guitar player. They probably just (laughs) didn't
3: bleach them works.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What if the album was called Bleach the Works? (laughs) Bleach Um, bleach, the Works. Bleach Your Works. So the... the, (laughs) So the cover was a a photo taken by Kurt's girlfriend at the time, Tracy, and then, of course, reversed to look like a film negative. The photos of the band playing a show at the Rico Muse Gallery in Olympia in 1989. And as we mentioned before, actually, the picture does include Jason Everman, something I didn't notice until I read that. And I'm like, oh, shit, there are four people on the front of this album of a now infamous. I didn't uh, even realize there were four. I I only counted three. He's got a
3: head of hair on there, too. And, uh, there, there is the now, so much
1: hair on that <laughs> album cover. The the now iconic font for Bleach and Nirvana, uh, which eventually basically became the band logo in some ways, uh, was just whatever was in the machine at the, uh, the place that printed it up, which was the Rocket, uh, was the name of the firm. And, uh, the album was then Bleach was released by Sub Pop Records on June 15th, 1989. And the number one song the day it was released was New Kids on the Block. I'll be loving you forever. Oh, I was down with that. And the number one (laughs) album that week was The Raw and the Cooked by Fine Young Cannibals. Logan is a noted, uh...
4: Late 80s uh, and 90s R&B
3: aficionado. Oh, man.
1: I was jamming the
3: Ghostbusters 2 soundtrack in 89. That's when that Bobby came Brown. out. Bobby Brown. And you had, like, who else? Uh, Oingo Boingo was on there. That was really cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah. Oh,
3: yeah. man.
0: Who did the Ghostbuster theme song from that uh, is uh, it Bobby Brown, right?
1: Yeah. For Ghostbusters 2? No, I thought
2: or, there was another uh, one.
1: The rap one.
3: Oh, uh, Run DMC. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Matt, before we move on to or anybody else, before we move on to uh, uh, looking at our relationship with the album, uh, do you have anything else on the, the writing and recording of Bleach? Uh,
4: I don't know if this is when we want to get into this, but uh, uh, Kurt um, sent many, you know, many, many tapes out to a lot of different, uh, a lot of different record companies. And, uh, very, really wanted to get on SST and sent multiple tapes with, you know, heartfelt letters, SST, um, the, the who?
1: label of, uh, do. And uh, okay. I think, uh, some black flag, right. Some of the f- first black flag. It's like a, it's, it's a so. West coast label. Uh, I think
4: the, he also, uh, wanted to be on uh, touch and go records and almost titled it, uh, the touch and go record,
1: which I think touch and go <laughs> was the label of big black, right? The Steve Albini band, future Nirvana producer, he very much wanted to be on
4: SST or Touch and Go, and uh, didn't really view Sub Pop as uh, the the tier of of label that that he wanted to, to be on.
1: I will say, by the way, in, in doing research, like and and I, I went through a bunch of different interviews, kind of around that time, pre Nevermind interviews, the, the the handful that are out there. And almost in every single one, the thing that the interviewer wants to talk about is sub-pop. Like, (laughs) like (laughs) I think sub-pop had a reputation at the time as being, like, the label for this new, you know, grunge movement coming out of Northwest America. And so, like, every interviewer is like, tell me about sub-pop and being on sub-pop. And I think Kurt and the others are a little maybe annoyed at that.
3: Maybe we'll find out a little bit about that in this album.
1: But that's Ooh. true all right are we uh, anything else writing recording before we jump into the next section
4: you guys want to talk about the
1: tracks I actually want to talk about our relationship first Matt to oh, the okay. um, our me and you <laughs> <our> <laughs> <own> actually <guy. laughs>
3: we're not gonna do that matt actually we're just no I,
1: I thought it would be good before we talk about the tracks just where what what is your guys's um experience with with bleach uh like are you have you ever listened to it before all the way through and and I guess I'll start off by saying that this is one that I I think, like a lot of people, this was not the Nirvana album that I knew very well at all. You know, I, yeah. have a, I have a brother that's eight years older than me, and so when Nevermind came out, you know, he was the exact right age, a teenager that he loved Nevermind, so I heard that one a lot, but Bleach was not one I heard at all, and I think the first time... I ever actually listened to Bleach was trying to sync it up with a Hard Day's Night at your house, Matt, um, because we were obsessed at one point with syncing albums and movies together. So, so
0: this is something you made up. It's not like (laughs) uh, urban. No,
1: there used to be a website you could go to, and it may still exist, where you could find like what albums go with what movies. You know, infamous or I keep saying infamously, famously, Wizard of Oz, Dark Side of the Moon, right, being the. The main example. Who was of in charge like, of this dark website? Side of the I don't, it was all fancy <laughs> It was all you know, user spend, submitted. Uh, but I remember sitting at your house, Matt, in in the middle. Like it was late at night, lights oh, were yes. off, and we were trying to play Bleach with a hard day's night. And I think that was the first time I listened to Bleach. But what is everyone else's, uh you know, experience with this album? Before we jump into the tracks.
4: Well, I, I will say, not shockingly, I, I don't recall that particular. Uh, <laughs> evening, um, I, I do remember syncing lots of uh, uh, lots of records to movies. Um, you know, I, I went through a big Nirvana phase, uh, kind of starting in middle school, uh, starting with you know what I can get my hands on, uh, just on the radio. I I, I almost want to say my my first awareness of Nirvana was uh, someone wearing a Kurt Cobain um, R.I.P. shirt at camp, and and I. Uh, was 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 taken by it um but uh, i i got i got bleach in middle school listened to it some definitely wasn't my my favorite of their records but uh but i I knew all these songs and and hadn't listened to bleach for 15 years probably and and have enjoyed you know going back through and and remembering some of those those ones that 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 you don't hear as much
3: the first time
0: Um, oh lake heard of this was and thank you thank you for thank you for teeing me up logan i'm gonna talk about my relationship to bleach i think as a teenager i well when i first learned about nirvana as every teenager does and it's a really big deal i think i probably thought that nevermind was their first record Mm -hmm. and then i think i heard the song about a girl and i was like that's a cool catchy poppy tune that really jives with my pop sensibilities. I like those hooks.
1: I like to think <laughs> that's how you actually talked, by the way. You're like, this jives that's how I, with my this sensibilities. This jives with my
0: <laughs> I, I threw a few daddios in there. <laughs> Snapping the but fingers. It, it really honestly, I really did love the song and that then I of course I figured out that it came from this album called Bleach that actually came out before Nevermind. Um and then I got Nevermind, probably from CD Warehouse the use record place and i was like this is crazy this is way more metal and punk than the nirvana that i know but i still like it for the most part and it's it's funny that the song that got me into it about a girl is like the 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 jangly pop uh, beatles (laughs) sounding yeah right right and everything else is everything else is doom and but Still cool. Most of the songs uh, are are cool. Well, in don't their own don't right. get
1: too far in revealing your feel. We gotta we'll oh, get to that. Oh, later. I'm
0: not I'm not giving trophies away just yet. But yeah, that's how <laughs> I got into it.
1: Logan, what's your relationship with this album? With this album, I probably
3: my first awareness of it. I knew of Nirvana at this time, but when I was about twelve years old, a friend of mine, Kevin, was always repeating lyrics to me and just stuff like. He would sing it, or I'd hear him, and just like we'd be <laughs> Very lined critic. together at school, and he's just saying stuff like, you know, "Pessimistu, apocalyptic bastard," and like, and I'm like, "What are you saying?" Yeah. And he's yeah. like, oh, downer, man, <laughs> Nirvana," and I'm like, "What?" And so I would just hear little clues from him, and then at a middle school dance i remember one of like this <laughs> he was an 8th grader and i was a 7th grader and i was scared of the guy i, th- I think he was my bully uh but he would he went up to the the dj and specifically asked for them to play school by nirvana and the next thing we knew like <laughs> that is the he most played punk rock school shit I've and ever like heard. everyone stopped in like this guy and a small handful of people regrettably myself included may have started slam dancing in the gym
1: that that makes me think of i remember a middle school dance where the dj started playing bush i think <laughs> they played probably uh god i don't know what's the song with about the lyric about my asshole brother what is that song oh uh, be everything brother. And everything's in everything's in and i just remember like and looking back now it is not this but at the time we were like this is so This is so like, you know, punk rock, like, you know, yeah, at the time man, being like, awesome. we're such rebels, they're playing bush at the dance. Yeah.
0: 20 seconds into Machine Head, the principal pulled
1: the power cord. <laughs> and it was like, looking Skinner. back, I'm like, that's the... <laughs> uh, all right, let's uh, go through and, and talk about Bleach song by song. I so, also haven't heard oh, it
0: in 20 years, at least. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's not
1: and one I, I, uh, I throw on often. <laughs> but I uh I did not actually
3: listen to the full album until it was like a bus ride to like some sports, you know, event or something. I listened to the full album and then I picked it up later in life when I was working at Vintage Stock and that's when I really listened to it for the first time. Were, I feel like were you rocking that disc man Logan? Oh yeah, on the bus? Hell yeah. Yeah, I had a disc man I speaking oh. flip book of CDs and I, everyone would just trade CDs on the man. bus, like listen to Silver Chairs.
0: How good were bus rides for music experimentation? Oh, the best, so good. Always had so headphones choice. on. I had a boombox. So box.
3: antisocial.
1: <laughs> Don't talk to me. I think most of the music I listened to, though, on bus rides, I look back, it was kind of shitty. Like I remember listening to Godsmack for sure. Oh, the first well, like, Godsmack album. <laughs> I'd always
3: go for the stuff that my parents wouldn't let, let me have or listen to. I'd be like,
0: "Oh, Antichrist Superstar, let's listen to this." <laughs> Uh, that was that album was my in my Honda Civic. That's mostly where I kept that one.
1: I, I think when we do the Marilyn Manson breakdown, which I would totally do, um, I, I'm I'm excited to talk about my memories of Marilyn Manson because I I have some very we
0: know you were terrified of him. I fucking
1: was terrified of him. Um, still has nightmares. Right. <laughs> are we still, uh, ready to are. jump into the? Yeah, album? this
0: 55 year old man's coming for me. <laughs>
1: Uh, yes yeah let's let's
4: listen how did everybody listen to it uh i i had i i no longer have the cd i sold most of my cds but i do have it on on digital um how did everybody else listen
1: i listened on on vinyl which it was not a, a thing like i went out and sought after a copy of bleach on vinyl i'll kind of talk about my thoughts on that later but i uh I just happened across it, and, and I didn't know own Bleach, so I picked it up. So I actually listened to it on, on vinyl and then a little bit on Spotify.
0: I have it on iTunes because i uh, old. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my CD of it is in an enormous CD wallet in a closet that I didn't want to get to. So I just I queued it up on Apple Music and listened in headphones. Um, there may be better ways to listen, but it was all right. I don't think so, though. That's... that's the way to go
1: pretty pretty decent we we all listened to the version uh that was not the original version right matt we listened to the the reissue which has a couple tracks added at the end
4: i I believe just
1: one track just one Uh, okay i thought there were two just downer
4: yes just downer Let logan logan oh that makes sense earlier i'm sorry no you, you you're correct it it's missing Downer and Big Chief.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I thought oh. they added two yeah, on I thought all there subsequent two. reissues. Along with taking Jason Everman's name <laughs> as the as, <laughs> a, money. as a guitar and player money. and just thank him. six All right, so let's uh, get into the album track by track. And the first song on Bleach is Blue. And uh, just, I guess, is this drop audio sample here, Blake, of Blue?
0: <laughs> what What if? What What if if I dropped Eiffel 65?
1: (laughs) Now listen up. up, Here's the story. That'd be pretty good. And
0: pissed everybody off. No, it's (laughs) B-L-E-W. Don't get it twisted.
1: So Blue would be uh, released as an EP eventually with a few other songs um, on it as well. I will say listening to to Blue, uh, main things I noted, it has a bass intro, which is something that will happen quite frequently on this album where there is a bass intro. And the other uh, couple of trends I noticed that it sort of sets for the album are uh, a vocal melody that just follows the guitar riff. That's sort of something I noticed that is a, a frequent thing on this album and that's, where that's
0: very uncommon for Nirvana, right? Like Kirk Cobain
1: <laughs> just doesn't do that, but like it's v- blue. It's very like it's the, the guitar riff and the vocal melody are lockstep at, a, at least on the verse. Um, and, and the other thing I noticed is a guitar solo, uh, which I, I think I only noticed because this album, while it is more uh, definitely more punk, and, and sort of influenced than maybe their other albums are. You know, I know traditionally in the 70s, at least, and, and some in the 80s, the sort of punk hardcore frowned a little bit upon guitar solos as sort of this uh, thing that was, you know, maybe too tied to like that sort of bloated classic rock um it was a hair metal thing yeah, by, it, by this well, time, and, and I think it is interesting that they have solos, which kind of I guess shows that what Nirvana were doing and other grunge bands was indebted to you know metal and classic rock as much as it was punk but rock. Can
0: I add that these these types of solos do not kind of showcase the, the
1: skill <laughs> no it's still a punk rock guitar solo right but the fact that there's a section for it shows that i think kurt was and and other grunge people as well mud honey and others i think were not only looking back to punk rock but looking at sort of classic metal black sabbath that kind of thing as well
4: and and kurt was definitely a fan of uh some of that that more classic classic rock uh and and metal um he, he had given away uh Mixtapes with uh, folks as as varied as Ozzy Osbourne, Queen, the Bay City Rollers, uh, Sweet <laughs> Venom, the Beatles. Uh, he loved the knack. He thought meet is it meet the knack? Get, get the, the knack. knack. He thought that get the knack was was a
1: phenomenal pop record. <laughs> get Sharona.
0: the knack.
1: So, uh, I know what are you guys' thoughts on on Blue?
0: I I wrote down what are the best albums that open with just bass can you name a better one
1: it, it's a I, great bass line i i think there is there's a couple of other actually i think i don't know about albums but other nirvana songs that open with bass that i like better um
0: yeah yeah but can you think of another album, album that just straight up opens with bass i don't know i i couldn't off the top of my head i don't know
4: uh, it is Chris Novoselic's uh, favorite song uh, on, on Bleach. He, he called it "Doom Pop."
0: I wonder why.
4: It's it's worth noting that um, they they thought that they were going to tune down to drop D tuning for this, but they uh, they were actually in drop D and tuned down another step. So it, it's actually in C, <laughs> and and that's kind of what what gives it that
1: really you
4: know kind of. Uh, kind of flexible and and how how do
1: you, how do you do that? How do you accidentally tune to a different note? That's just very, I don't know. I guess not using a tuner. Maybe I
4: I had read an interview uh, with more of a conversation with, with Chris and, uh, and Chad Channing. uh, And I I guess they had several songs that they attempted uh, with, with this drop C um, tuning. And and this was the only one that, that, that made it. Uh, that they, hmm. they recorded over uh, other versions of songs in, in the drop C.
1: I would love it if they kept accidentally doing that. Like, they would go, and eventually they get to where it's just the strings are just rubber bands. <laughs> it's like, oh, God, guys, why are the strings so loose on my guitar? Just keep tuning down accidentally.
4: Josh, you had mentioned the the guitar following the, the vocal line, and, and that is, uh, of course, correct. And, and, and I noticed that as well. But uh, I, I am just... Really, all about the the little seventh chord that he goes to um, at, at the end of each uh, each kind of phrase.
1: Um, just really
4: Exactly.
1: That thing. That that would be the one. We don't okay. need audio samples, Blake. You're gonna. Yeah, I'm. Sure I'm actually just... gonna do them all with my mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I I was looking at um, I was looking at lyric lyrics and like lyric videos on YouTube today. And uh, a lyric video for this song uh, came up with a thing at the end that said, Kurt Cobain, 1967 to
1: 1998. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, wait, what? They didn't even research. They just were like making the no. video and like, don't have time to Google. It's like, it's some
0: Zoomer who learned about <laughs> Kurt Cobain yesterday. <laughs>
1: um, speaking of lyrics, uh, I know, Matt, you, you had some thoughts on the, the line about... Uh, Give me uh, something that. What's the line exactly? Something that rhymes with shame, Matt. What is that lyric?
4: It, it's here. Is another word that rhymes with shame, and uh, I, Kurt is, is, was famous for um, really kind of not writing lyrics until the last possible second, which is which is something that, that endears me to him because I'm, I'm very similar.
1: Didn't he claim he wrote all the Bleach lyrics the night before they recorded?
4: I, be, I believe so. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which, but but on that line I I will say uh, one resource I consulted that is is really good is of course uh, genius.com where they have you know all the user submitted stuff but on this they somebody mentioned that uh the that line is actually a little more uh, intentionally mysterious than maybe trying to be vague like they were saying that he he was purposefully you know putting that in there so people had to think of a word and they likened it to uh, in smells like teen spirit, where he says, uh, "I know a dirty word, like not saying what the word is, just saying you know that he, kind of making leading people to a certain word, so people were saying that shame could rhyme with cocaine, fame, game, or blame
0: i love I always liked that. Uh, I thought it was funny and and tongue in cheek of course um, but it it's funny to me that the word shame is not in the song until the, until he's asking for a word that rhymes with shame, and <laughs> that it, is interesting. Like,
1: yeah, I didn't. Notice it's that. like,
0: why are you asking for a word that rhymes with shame when that wasn't the lyric to begin with?
1: And the word shame comes back in the next song. The, the next song, it's just it's was thematic.
0: Shamed. It's true.
1: Uh Logan, did you have any thoughts on blue?
3: Yeah, I, I like this song. Okay, I wrote down a lot of the same notes that you guys did on knowing, like you know, this is Chris Novoselic's favorite track, but. I don't know. I the song's just kind of lukewarm to me. I feel like I just I, I, I don't ima- I don't like it being the first track. I think there there hmm. could have been other songs on there that might have made a better first track like uh, Floyd the Barber or even um uh, Scoff. I think that that would hmm. be a really cool opener. Uh, other than that I was also surprised by the appearance of guitar solos i was kind of thinking like oh i didn't think this was going to be cool in the seattle scene or whatever um yeah but you guys kind of flesh that out a little bit more but i think my i was just kind of like nah this is okay i wish it wasn't the first track so that, that was that's one take thing on
1: it. I, I i agree with you a little bit on that because one thing I one issue I have with this album and I guess we'll get to it later is it, it's very repetitive. I feel like a lot of the the melodies just it repeats the same things over and over and over again. By the way, right mm-hmm. now there's someone if anyone's listening to this that is a huge Nirvana fan, they're probably screaming at me about uh, to, to diss this album, but it's just I don't know Oh yeah it you probably shouldn't
0: repetitive. listen if you're if you're like super <laughs> yeah. super into the minutiae. <laughs> you're you're not gonna be happy with this.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I it, it does get a little repetitive I think. But I think of the songs that are repetitive, I like this one
4: better than some others. I think you're right there, Josh and and it's it's a very conventional chord structure and and it which my my feeling and, and this will be a theme I think throughout Every one of these shows about Nirvana that we do, you know, my, one of my favorite Kurt Cobain songwriting traits is how he's always got a, an interesting chord progression and, and takes it somewhere where you're not expecting. And, and I, you know, all the sonic components are here. You know, it, it sounds good, but but it's it's just a pretty, pretty conventional, uh, conventional song.
1: All right. Let's go to the next song, which is Floyd the Barber. So, Floyd the Barber starts with the second favorite intro on this album, outside of the. the so, there's the bassline intro, is the feedback squelch intro, uh, which happens again and again. And uh, this song is uh, about. It, it's kind of funny, but it's also very dark. Uh, it's about
0: big uh, the, Sweeney Todd It's vibes. about the Come Andy Griffith
1: character. Floyd the Barber, uh, molesting and maybe, and then killing Kurt Cobain himself or whoever the narrator is,
2: uh, mm-hmm.
1: Matt, you got some thoughts on that or anybody else? I, I know I just teed you off. Of I a do have intro some about, thoughts. What, yeah. are you, what are your guys' thoughts on an Andy Griffith character molesting Kurt Cobain? That's very. Well, let's
0: see here. Uh, <laughs> oh boy. This song is a, is a handful Yeah, and quite dark and weird, but also. It's dark, uh, but
1: then it has the word pee-pee in it. <laughs> That's exactly what I
2: was about to say.
0: <laughs> like it's, it's. Did he really just say he put his pee-pee to my lips? I, I will say,
1: not my favorite <laughs> weird lyric on the song. I don't want to reveal it yet, but there's a lyric later that when I was looking oh, yeah, up the lyrics, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. holy shit. Uh, but yeah, pee-pee is a, a weird one. Um, the, the, it just kind
0: of destroys all the... All the all the machismo of of hair metal and all that is is erased with this that one yeah, like line the This song, I do have to say, love it. I of love almost
1: that. all of the songs on this album, the intro to this is is one of my favorites because you're right; it is just it's just a very heavy kind of badass oh, intro. Just the plotting you know, yeah. drums and <laughs> sludgy guitars. Yeah.
4: And, it's it's funny that you mentioned Logan both plotting. <laughs> And or and sludgy uh, drums. This is the first uh, Dale Crover uh, song. I, I, was gonna, I was wondering
1: ah, from Melvin, yes,
4: yeah. yes uh, of of the Melvins. Um, and he was just coming off of their uh, 1987 debut.
1: So that there there was a session with Dale Crover earlier in 1988, right? And then they went in later with Chad Channing in '89. But some of the songs from the Crover sessions are on that, Bleach. And this is the first one you're saying, okay. That is correct.
0: Yeah. What do we think about the difference between the Dave Grohl sound and the sound of of, of the drums on this record?
1: I think I I not I the the drums on this record sounded fine to me, except for there are a couple of songs where you can kind of I don't know if it's the production and the way it was recorded, yeah, but there are a couple of tell. songs where you're like, ooh, those drums are a little yeah, sketchier I mean, than <laughs> they are. <laughs> Maybe they like should Dave be. Grohl is
0: like machine gun accurate, and this record has, is, is a little. Sloppier, Chad. Can you imagine having a drummer named Chad Channing? Like if they, <laughs> if they, can you imagine if Nirvana kept a drummer named Chad? Chan- I'm imagining Channing Tatum, <laughs> Channing but,
3: Tatum. but with like they, a more. They
1: went, they went through like a million goddamn drummers. I'm sure Matt has that info. I,
3: I think
4: I've got them all listed here. Uh
1: we're We don't need to name them all. Just how many are there? No, you don't. We're so can replaceable. Count cuz there's so many. Yeah, Blake being the drummer, very uh, We are so replaceable. I actually replaceable. don't think that's true. Like, I feel like finding a drummer is one of the hardest things to do. Critical. <laughs> well, finding one that works. And yet Nirvana apparently went through, you know, uh, so many drummers before settling on one.
0: Maybe it was like a personal thing with Kurt, like a personality thing.
1: I don't know but uh, back to Floyd uh, the barber uh, yeah musically I, I really like this one just sounds so heavy and mean but but lyrically I just don't even know what to think it's it's like you said kind of a mixture of this comical thing with I, yeah. just like something that's I very do love dark, how it's though. so
0: <laughs> so masculine musically but lyrically it's like
1: Andy Griffith put his pee pee in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. It's which, and, 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 and making it maybe even it. darker, I found a, an NME uh, article from Britain where the journalist said that supposedly, now who knows if this is true, that uh, when Kurt Cobain was found, uh, when his body was found, that he had been watching Andy Griffith three runs um, at oh, the time. No. And that's sort of weird given that this song is about a character from Andy Griffith. You know, eh,
0: they might have him. just happened to. That might have been coincidence. It probably as, was. as as much as that they play Maybe those. TV was Kurt, just on.
4: <laughs> Kurt famously loved to watch TV uh, when when he was living with with Tracy. She was supporting him. Uh, this is from
1: from Tracy being uh, his girlfriend at, at the time. Yes. The bleach, yeah. from from uh, Charles Warren, Cross's book. What's her right? name?
3: Warrender. Tracy
1: Miranda? Miranda?
3: Miranda. Miranda.
4: Anyway, Tracy Miranda. What were you saying? She she was supporting Kurt. uh, They were living in Olympia at the time, and she she worked at the cafeteria for Boeing with Chris Novoselic's girlfriend at the time. Um, (laughs) And and Kurt would uh, just sit at at home and play guitar and and watch TV and do art projects, um, you know, and just just crazy stuff that, that he would continue. Through. You know, you can see a lot of it on, uh, you know, the, the, the back of the in utero, uh, album is, is a collage of fetus parts that, uh, that, that he, he assembled and we'll drop it in. I've, I i did not have it have the quote ready. Um, but, uh, love to, love to sit and watch TV and play guitar. And, and I can imagine him watching Andy Griffith in the middle of the day and, and having these, you know, this kind of fantasy of, of violence, uh, Amid the, the idyllic setting um, that, that was depicted on the show
3: Well it doesn't make you want to
0: go get your hair cut i tell you what <laughs> I think it's about being shaved If we want to get real technical well,
1: he, he says I was shaved and this is where I shame he, comes exactly. back Because he also says I was
2: shamed
4: According to Google's lyrics, because uh, I thought for years it was, I was shaved, but uh, from what I'm seeing here, per, per the Google box, uh, it says, I'm ashamed, is the
1: lyric. I, see, I think he says both, but yeah. I mean, I the like lyric
0: video like, I watched said, Chorus 1 said, I I was <laughs> the shaved. The one that said he Chorus, died in
1: 1998.
0: Yeah, different, <laughs> different one. <laughs> Chorus 1, it said, shaved. Chorus 2, it said, shamed. Yeah. I'm not... Making that up, which again, hey, that
1: that says he put more thought into lyrics than yeah, than maybe like it's almost impossible to know. I don't know if
0: there's an official account of of this or not.
1: All right, uh, wait, can I say one last thing? Sorry, the
0: barber. All I can think about when I hear that song is Tommy gets his tonsils out. You know that
1: one? The replacements. Yeah, I do know that one.
0: Yeah, like it's kind of like the same type of thing, like a child's nightmare of going to. I guess it's a dentist rather than a barber, but I don't know. I, I, I think I just that. really like, I like that song.
4: It was also the first song to be played on Seattle radio.
1: The, yeah.
2: Floyd
4: Floyd the, the barber?
1: Barber. Yes. wait, Seattle radio period, or like a certain radio station.
4: Uh, well, it was <laughs>
1: Seattle did not have radio. No, time. no, the it, first
0: Nirvana, nir- it was the first, first Nirvana song to be played. Oh, I Seattle. thought you were just it saying like, first
1: song period on Seattle radio, Like Seattle failed to have radio until in 1989. 1989
0: <laughs> they finally put up uh, radio towers. Someone heard Nirvana and was like, "We
1: gotta get something, some way to." They were the first ones people. on the radio
3: in Seattle. Yeah,
1: it all these the all these lumberjacks that's an interesting introduction to Nirvana, especially since it's not the, the single from this album that they chose to release. Imagine that being
0: the first song you ever heard about. Them.
3: I like the uh, subtraction of instruments at the very end, how it just kind of like subtracts out.
2: Mm. I like, like that. You know, well.
3: Everything's going. And then what, the guitars stop and the drums are bait and bass are still going. And then the bass drops out and it's just drums. Yeah. I don't know. That was cool. Yeah. Any like other that that thoughts
1: hot. on Floyd, the barber before we move on? Oh, cool. Pee-pee. (laughs) Pee-pee. All right, the third song is the one that uh, most people know from this album because it was played by them at the Unplugged recording years later and kind of became uh, a hit somewhat off of the Unplugged version, and that is About a Girl, which, which Kurt Cobain says he wrote as a jangly, quote, jangly R.E.M. type pop song. And uh, also says in some interviews that basically felt like it was it was maybe risky to put on the album given how poppy it was compared to some of the other songs at the time. Bigger, no more. Yeah, so so thoughts on about a girl? About a girl is probably the hardest, I think, for me to judge on this because it's the one I'm most like I know better than the others, and I've heard so many times in my life that like it is hard to kind of judge it accurately in some ways. But um, it's good. But uh, it, what do you guys think? I mean, it
3: sounds like the Beatles.
4: It yeah, it does. It definitely
1: does. Yeah. Like in
3: a, a good fucked way, fucked up, can't buy me love or something.
2: Yeah, <laughs> uh,
4: according to to uh, Charles Cross, he uh, Kurt had listened to Meet the Beatles for three hours to get in the mood of writing this song, which and and, oh, and it definitely comes through. It's it's very I, very Beatles-esque.
1: By the way, the fact that he says it's a jangly REM-type pop song, I kind of wonder if he thinks that just because the guitar is clean, like because I don't, I mean, I mean, I mean, other than the fact that it's not an overdriven or distorted guitar, I don't think there's necessarily anything about it that like. Screams REM to me, but it is
0: jangly. I mean, jangly's it's accurate, slightly yeah, jangly is accurate. Yeah, because yeah, w- when a band that usually doesn't play clean um, turns the distortion off, you they usually call it jangly. Like I've done that a thousand times in in bands <laughs> I've been in. It it just it's just the the vocabulary that comes up. So yeah, it it fits.
1: I, I do wonder if this is the type of song that Kurt wanted to play more of because I know that around this time. He was also, they had been playing live uh, the songs Been a Son and Sappy, which are both pretty, you know, pop kind of songs. And I I just wonder if he wanted to do more of that kind of thing, but instead felt pressured to do something more loud and aggressive. Um, I don't know, Matt, what were you saying?
4: This was one of the ones that he wrote pretty late in the process. Some of the songs on on this record, Downer was one of the first songs that he wrote, um,
1: uh, and and was in uh, on the fecal matter. Yeah, demo. I was gonna say fecal matter. His original band name. <laughs> yeah,
0: they I mean, should have gone with that. I think it would Why gone. didn't that? Why didn't that stick? <laughs> uh,
1: I, I've I've got all of these suggested <laughs> band names uh, down. Yeah, down go ahead here. real quickly. But, okay, this is okay, maybe the, the wrong ooh, boy, place to read there's it. Some but rough what ones. are the names that okay. were original names for Nirvana? This should have been back at the beginning, but it's fine. Okay, That's okay, ah, it's uh, a good, so, good.
3: good spot
4: possible band names uh not including fecal matter uh we've got designer drugs i, I that's actually pretty good
1: that sounds uh, like a new wave like it <laughs> sounds like EDM project. to
4: me uh whisker biscuit
0: no uh, Pass.
4: spina bifida
0: no not, not so much
4: uh gut no. bomb mm. egg yeah that's not
0: bad wait egg what was that these one these are punk punk bands
4: um, egg flog yes egg, egg flog, flog. Uh, up next, we got pukeria.
0: <laughs> that's that's a punk band of of uh, an all twelve year old punk band. <laughs> the,
4: I, I something tells me uh, other Josh might might be might be into to pukeria. Uh We got f- Fish Food, Bat Guana, the Incompetent Fools, spelled with an M uh, on purpose, uh, Throat Oyster. Ted Ed, Fred uh, they, they performed Throat Oyster God, might uh, be the worst one just, by the way. They just uh, get worse and worse Guys, I'm, I'm saving the best for last uh, they, they performed as Skid Row for a show uh, being unaware of the Sebastian, Sebastian Bach Band uh, Were they but really the unaware? That, uh, I think is the most fun is Poo Poo Box
0: <laughs> <laughs> I saw that one Like, what? Poo, Poo Box <laughs>
1: I don't know, throw an oyster uh, to me. He has really interesting
4: a uh, artistic ideas. A lot of his art um, it's was. Poo poo box.
3: There's I wanna, another timeline. What is he? Poo poo box.
4: Well, uh, just yeah, you know, bodily it... functions and you know, juxtaposing. You know, he would he would draw men with vaginas for heads. Hold and- hold
1: on, we'll get to the, 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 the bodily functions a little later. That's okay. that gets to my favorite. We're gonna save the bodily functions. Yeah. So so I'm gonna get us back on track here talking about a battleground. Hang on,
0: hang on. Okay. Imagine a middle schooler in the mid nineties wearing a shirt that says <laughs> Poo poo box. Poo poo box in utero and has the artwork.
1: <laughs> ah, throat oyster. Um, okay. So about a girl, uh, I, I was just saying, I, I wondered if it was the type of song you wanted to write more of, but
0: the, I think their later songs sound more like about a girl than, than they sound yeah, like, yeah, uh, you know, Floyd, the barber, the yeah.
4: influence of the Melvins kind of uh, began to fall away as he, as he matured yeah. as, a, as a, uh, as a songwriter, he was a roadie for the Melvins and up till, up until mid 1988, he was more well known in Seattle as a roadie for the Melvins than as a band leader in
1: his own right i will say about a girl best guitar solo on this album
4: absolutely it's got that tambourine
1: too oh yeah that's what makes it jangly.
0: that hot tambo
1: uh so uh what do you guys think other thoughts on about a girl it's good, it's real good, guys. Logan,
3: I'm uh, I'm lukewarm on it, honestly. Uh, oh, really? I feel like we're getting yeah. a picture
1: into how Logan's gonna judge this album as a whole when we get to the end. But okay,
3: I do, I do like the solo, in it that's it's the first solo of the album that I'm like sold on.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah, it seems more good. thought out than some of the others for sure. Yeah, um, but well, it's yeah, not it's just okay.
0: the main melody; it's not like the vocal melody just played. On guitar, like right. like usual,
1: the old Rivers Cuomo. I <laughs> guess it'd be Kirk, Cobain that Rivers. Yeah, I goal. think Cobain did right. it. First. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, next up is school. Intro. Makes a, does, does it a make re- you
4: think that they're going to go into magic carpet uh, ride? Makes re- that's what it makes me think I didn't. I didn't quite
1: time. get
0: that. It, does magic carpet ride have a bunch of feedback at the beginning? Yes.
4: Okay. I, I
1: gonna,
0: just
4: you. You should drop in. Do it. do it yeah, yeah. exactly. side by side. Side by side. Exactly. I'll of school school
0: do. And... I'll do an A B. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we'll see what's what.
1: This is uh, the other notes I had on this one. Uh, it's another song with fairly repetitive lyrics. Uh, it's like some of the others. Another guitar solo shows up. Also, I, 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 maybe I'm hearing it wrong, but is there a double kick drum on this song? I feel like there is.
0: Oh yeah, there is. So I, I listened and it, it does sound like a double kick. It could possibly just be real fast kicking, but when but
3: there's, there's some doubles later though. Yeah, yeah,
0: true. Later on in the album, there's some, and I don't know which drummer is which, like if they're different drummers. But there's some definite double is this on a,
3: this album. Is this a Dale Crover joint? No,
0: this,
4: this is Chad Channing, and and they uh. Uh, in the interview with with Chris Novoselic, it's confirmed double kick
1: on this. Confirmed, confirmed don't double kick. Confirmed been. double can, kick. Can we have Chad like air air horns and stuff for confirmed. <laughs> confirmed. <laughs> uh The other thing about this this song I, I noticed is. This song seems like, uh, and I realized after writing this that I can only think of one other song, but uh, I feel like there's these Nirvana songs that almost function as kids' songs a little bit. And I feel like this and Sliver could kind of go together as like these Here, written from a kid's it's perspective. Like Nirvana
3: yes. done in
0: lullabies, Volume One.
3: Right.
1: I, I actually think I think kid that's friendly right. Unit Shifter, but um. uh-huh. I, yeah,
0: I don't think they're kid friendly, but I think those two songs. Are are written that this this song to me is just is just pure childhood anger, just like how mad were you if there was no
1: recess? Like yeah, well the Pacific pissed.
3: Northwest is just like raining and dreary. It's very easy to picture them like recess being canceled regularly. Right,
1: raining and, and dreary, uh, re- I can't fucking talk. Right <laughs> Reary and raining dreary and all you- <laughs> raining and dreary and there's there's uh, you know. Prom uh, queens being killed and yeah, oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's a Twin Peaks thing. Logan, I
2: was to
4: try to well, Also, uh, kind of m- uh, a metaphor for the I believe it was it was uh, kind of the working title was the Seattle scene. It was about kind of Kurt's discomfort with with uh, you know what what he perceived as kind of the the, the high school clickiness of uh, of of the Seattle scene and and
3: tropes and trappings he did not of... did not care for it
4: yeah
0: it's when he says you're in high school again at the at the end which to me just sounds like a recurring nightmare but it it's hard to kind of connect it to real life events when the only lyrics are literally <laughs> wouldn't you believe it it's just my luck no reset. no reset
3: just my luck
0: exactly and then at the end you're in high school again is repeated over and over yeah and in a repetitive album this is the most repetitive song but it i is still love very it
1: repetitive. any other thoughts on school
0: oh yeah They're, i like how like, the that oh yeah we're not done on okay. school. okay oh Sorry. no oh, we'll no, try no. to I get us moving here we'll take you back to school all right <laughs> um do, i like how the the tempo uh fluctuates like at as it gets uh, maybe quieter, the tempo kind of relaxes a bit, and then it and then it kicks into gear. Did that?
1: Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Or am I crazy? That's where the am double I, kick am I kind things? of is, I, I think. <laughs>
0: the double kick really just blasts that tempo into.
4: Yeah, I think that speed. this is the best Chad Channing drumming on the record. And, and uh, to me, the, the the drums, especially here, are, are really high in the mix as well. There's a lot of drum. Uh, yeah.
0: You can tell a drummer mixed this record. Was as Jack a, Andino as, a
2: drummer?
0: As a no, I don't think so. But as a drummer who mixes records, I have a tendency to mix the drums too high. Maybe now I'm overcompensating and mixing them too low. But that's just what I think about when I hear high mixed drums.
1: Uh Logan, mm-hmm. what were your thoughts on school?
0: I mean, I
3: I pretty much said I'm school I, sucks. I think that Sorry. this is one of my favorite songs on the album. Uh I love it. It makes me think it's the first song I ever heard from Bleach. So Mm. in like that school story at middle school dance, that was kinda ingrained into my memory. And I was like, "Yeah, it was just perfect because it's like we're in school and they're playing school, they're playing and, school. So, yeah. <laughs> and it's like no clicks.
0: recess. Like, and it's take like that,
3: yeah, yeah. And everyone else is just standing around watching, like, what is this? We and don't like, get recess.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> don't get recess.
0: We get to dance,
3: but in a it's gym not together. like there
0: are clearly, clearly stated lyrics that are like anti-school. It's just complaining about there being no recess."
3: Yeah, and the, the minimal the minimal lyrics do paint a like a picture of a thousand words or something. Is, wait, that doesn't make sense. The picture speaks. Of, never mind. No, it does. You get what I'm saying. A thousand words, but all the, the minimal are all the words, speaks more than having a
0: ton of lyrics in the song to me, because uh, you can apply it to yeah, whatever you want. Right, and it it all feeds into that childhood anger thing and just the simpleness of it. I like it.
1: Next up is Love Buzz.
2: Would you believe me when I tell you you're the queen of my heart? Please don't deceive me when I hurt you, just ain't the way it seems.
1: Love Buzz was the only single um from this album officially released single by Sub Pop and it is also a cover of uh the band shocking blue which is a 1960s band
2: you and may, it, I listen to
1: that song they right? know them from <laughs> pretty
4: cool. their uh their hit uh, ladies razor commercials that was
0: their, <laughs> venus their, their big right? song yeah. was so, venus venus yes. yeah so as far as shocking blue covers go i think i prefer the banana one <laughs> Which was, really? I believe, okay. wasn't it the Bananarama cover they did? Venus, they yeah. used in the uh, Venus.
1: So, uh, uh the commercials, I, uh, mean? I I did want to mention that uh, the lead singer of Shocking Blue, I got this from uh, the same NME article by Emily Barker. She says that the lead singer of Shocking Blue, uh, claimed he didn't know that Nirvana had recorded this and only heard about it when he was in a record shop and they were playing it. Um, but he refused Ooh. to buy it because he said the Nirvana version was inferior. <laughs> Was the quote. <laughs> wow. Clear um, bias.
4: Yeah. Did anybody uh, go
1: and listen to the original? I did. I
4: did. I did.
3: It's yeah. Slower. It I didn't care for it. Yeah. I it's I like that they made it their own, though. I admire them for doing that. It sounds like they took some liberties with it, it sounded like.
1: Yeah, one thing I noted that they, they changed, I think this is really interesting, is that so in the original, the lyric is um king of my dreams.
2: believe me when i tell you you're the king of my dreams
1: and kurt changes it to queen of my heart which i find very i was like that's weird to me because kurt doesn't seem like one to kind of shy away from Like a no homo. Yeah, like he he does, he did lots of things that kind of challenge gender norms and, you know, uh, were playing with gender and sexuality. So I find it odd that he would be like, no, got to make this, (laughs) you know, hetero by saying queen instead of king. Um, Maybe he had different reasons, but yeah, I I just thought that was interesting that he changed that lyric up from the cover. Also, I want to point out bass intro. There's another bass intro. Ah, um,
0: but, but that's in the the. That's just taken from the the. It's true, it's a great bass line. I do love that right. bass line. I, I do dig it. Yeah, the.
1: Yeah, uh, I I like Love Buzz. It's probably one of my favorite songs on this album. But maybe that's uh, maybe I'm biased because of the bass thing. Uh, you know. Oh man, I've got a hot take for you, oh, oh shit, oh, it's your least favorite.
0: I think maybe this- me and Logan are a united front. Okay, okay, okay.
1: Oh. Well, by the way, I I like Love Buzz uh, because I think. Well, I guess about a girl is this way too. It just feels like th- this album has lots of songs that are like very simple, repetitive lyrics, and then you got this one and about a girl that like have very solid like verse choruses, different melodies, that kind of thing. I don't know. I
0: I disagree there though. Can I say
1: <laughs> I do disagree,
0: sir? Love Buzz also has repetitive lyrics so i it's think true. in that way it fits yeah it, and then it repeats the verse again i think the same verse it, I think it, it fits knows, on yeah. this album i think because of that
1: that's true
4: this was one that they've been playing since uh mid 1987 and uh, everything that i've read it's uh lots of people talk about how good it was as a live track uh you know in kurtwood would, would play kind of the, the solo noise section on his back on the floor. And, and um, it, was, it was a big, big crowd pleaser at, at shows.
3: I it's do a, like the solo section. It. It's pretty yeah. rad. And it's more in line of what I would imagine Nirvana to do with a solo. I don't know, it, but it, it's definitely, I dig the solo in it. I'll say that.
0: Yeah, it's probably the best section. The The parts before and after that I'm not so hot on.
1: Okay, so what's the, yeah. hot, what's the hot take here? Is it your least... Do you want to say uh, it's, it's your least... It's, or wait, do we want to save that for the probably, end? It's probably... No, yeah... W- we can say it now. Well, L- let him I'll say just, his piece. Okay. I
3: just think... I said this is... I didn't say it's the most, but I did say it's it's almost the most skippable, skippable track mm. for me. I mean, I like it fine, but I have to be in the right mood for it, I think. And like I said, the solo, I could dig. But overall, I just thought it was okay. I thought it would make a really good B-side. Okay. It kind of stood out like, and that's probably why a lot of people like it. It was kind of a standout on the album, so I can totally get that. But I just, I thought I thought it would make a good good B side. Kind of like, kinda I did, like I how, do really like, ad-
1: the other cut co- like Molly's lips and some of the other covers they did later. Yeah, the like I
3: could have seen it be on like Incesticide, and I'd have been like, yeah, that's pretty cool. But I do admire them for making it their own.
4: Josh, you mentioned this was the the only single. It actually wasn't released as a retail single. Uh, it was initially going to be released as a retail single, but uh, uh, Sub Pop was was you know just constantly running out of money. Um, at one point, Bruce Pabott, uh one of did the did they try season,
1: asking Jason Everman for any money? <laughs> no, but but
4: uh, ac- according to to the book. Uh, Ah, uh, Bruce Pavitt once called Kurt to ask Kurt to borrow two hundred dollars, which was pretty laughable at the time because <laughs> Kurt had no money at all.
2: Um, He's
1: like, "I have this wall of a, like fetuses I've I've made <laughs> while my girlfriend was working. Would you like this?" <laughs>
4: <laughs> but uh, so instead of being released as a retail single, it was it was the first in a subscription singles club. You you would sign up. For the Sub Pop Singles Club, and uh, you would receive a, a seven-inch every month, and, and this was the first—the uh, first one. Um, I went to Discogs, and uh, there are some of these available. I, I've seen them uh, anywhere around three thousand dollars for one of these Sub Pop uh, singles. Uh, they, they only made a thousand, and uh, Kurt just was so in love with this single that he, he gave one to everyone in his family for Christmas that year.
1: Wow. I'm trying to imagine giving family like CDs that I made. Like, I can't imagine doing that. Being like, here's for Christmas, everybody. Here's a CD I made. They'd just be like, oh, thanks. (laughs) That's a a very I'm broke this year
0: type of (laughs)
3: gift.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm broke because um, I pressed a button. Well,
3: bunch thanks, of- <laughs> guys. I do that every single Christmas for my family.
1: Uh, I actually donated a whole box of Bogart CDs the other day. Uh, and oh boy,
0: donated them to Goodwill? To Goodwill. I've just brought a cube.
1: <laughs> what do you think they're
0: going to do with is, it? I like,
1: don't know. Goodwill? I have five cubes in my garage. When, I was like, one of my favorite take a cube, things throw it is, to Goodwill.
4: Is finding local music in uh, like thrift store CD bins.
3: Oh man, been there.
0: I don't know if I've come across that. I want to come across like one of my own records. That'd be funny.
3: Oh, I found a Fatherton CD at the vintage stock nine nine cent bin.
1: Oh no,
0: it's yep. it's it's way better than that. It is. Um, I pay nine ninety nine for it. I
1: would not pay three thousand dollars for Love Buzz though. Um, no, that's a seven inch. Sorry.
0: Um, speaking of B sides, I'm pretty sure Love Buzz was the B side to Venus. Really. Yeah, and I, okay. it just—it makes me think of how how much better of a of a song Venus is, like from a song standpoint.
1: I wonder because Chris Chris was the one that suggested it. I wonder if he just had that single,
2: <laughs> and,
1: and those were the yeah. two shocking blue songs. He's like, we can't cover Venus, Bananarama did it, so we could cover the other. Oh one. yeah,
0: I guess Bana- Bananarama came first. Yeah. Some, I don't know. Maybe this is actually, like a I think Chris
1: said that the bass line was, this is true. That he said, like, that the bass line was great and, like, the guy in Shocking Blue was a bass wizard or something. So that's Ooh. why he wanted to cover it. Interesting.
0: Well, I either version of the song, I'm just pretty, pretty meh on. To me, it's really wild that this was, like, the first, was this the first single?
1: Well, Floyd the Barber, as we mentioned, was the first played on Seattle radio. But that was their
4: first radio airplay. But this was this was the first single.
0: It's it's just a weird, what a weird choice. Like a, a mediocre cover. I I am probably in the minority in thinking that it's mediocre, though. Like
3: I'm with you. I
4: think I think that's that's our hindsight from everything that I've read. You know, this was the Nirvana. You know, their big signature song was uh, was Love yeah. Buzz, and and you know. They thought that that was the one that would kind of launch, you know, launch
1: them into. Does he sing it weird? Does he it does. Exactly. I agree like with you on that. It, it almost sounds it like really he's taken, like... as the British say, taken a, a piss or whatever. <laughs> he does. <"A laughs> it, queen of my heart. Yeah, he does. I don't sing
2: know, it it's weird. Just like, yeah. Yeah. he does. The
4: pronunciation my, of heart in in particular
1: hurt, is heart. A really hard
4: R. Hard R in
0: there. My theory is that this this was the period where Kurt really hadn't figured out his sort of signature voice vocalization yet which is
4: one of his best one of his you know strongest skills generally we haven't really talked about the the lyrics very much and and i've got some other examples later in the album but uh just even at this point he's such a good singer and harmonizer with himself and you know writer of melodies and right and he's able to use his voice you know almost as 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 another instrument in the band
0: it, it got a lot better. Not that it, it wasn't bad on this album. It was just kind of all over the place. I think he was just trying out different shit and seeing what mm-hmm. stuck.
1: All right, next up. Uh, it, wait, one last shit.
0: one last thought. I, I'm sorry. One last factoid. One last fact. I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm so really sorry. trying to rush
1: us through this, I guess. I'm I know, sorry.
0: but I have to say that it's very important. So the original lyric was king of my heart. King of my dreams, um, I think. I think it was king of my heart. I
2: think it was
1: king of my, king of my
2: dreams
0: i think he's right drop, the, o-
1: drop the audio in again
2: <laughs> You're the king of my
1: dreams.
0: My whole thing was just to say that taylor swift reclaimed it later with a song called king of my heart ah. so she she, she clearly was influenced the,
1: she was listening one day she's like you know i think the shocking blue version of the song is well oh. she
0: was very angry at the homophobia and all that <laughs> blake is our re- resident swifty uh, yes, if, if we all get I a know.
1: chance to choose what uh, artist we cover on this podcast, uh, I am kind of w- wondering what Blake's going to choose. He's You're like, going to hate what I pick. <laughs> I won't reveal it. You're going to hate it. We all have to listen to the Taylor Swift discography. Um, all right. Next up is Paper Cuts. Once again, feedback as the introduction to the song. And I don't really have a lot to say about this. Uh, it's another very dark one, kind of like Floyd the Barber, but no, nothing comical in this one uh, like there is it's in kind of a bummer. Floyd the Barber. It's it's a based on a true story uh, about someone who kept uh, someone captive, right, Matt, or child abuse or something it's to that effect?
4: A, a family in Aberdeen kept uh, kept their children in a you know, locked in a room... Um, for months and months
1: on end. Yeah, yeah. Which, and and I want to say Polly, the song Polly, which is on Nevermind, was written around this time, and also was about a case of torture and abuse. And I was like, Jesus, Kurt. Like, <laughs> got I, I don't lot know that it was
4: dark. I don't know it was written at the same time. Uh, Papercuts Cuts was was a pretty early. Uh, early Nirvana song. I, I think Polly came around uh, at least a couple years later, but 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 I, I have seen that parallel made, and you know I, I almost kind of view it as a. It's almost a murder ballad, um, in the vein of a, of a murder ballad, torture ballad.
1: Yeah, it's or, it's or rough. A true crime it's, it's rough. It's 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 not a lyrically not an easy listen when you actually look at the lyrics to this song. One thing
4: I did notice, and I don't know if you guys looked at this, uh, I, I didn't know this until I looked. The other day, they actually sing Nirvana as part of the lyrics. Mm.
0: Yeah, I, I saw it's that in some lyric. some written lyrics online, and so like, it's like, which came first, that lyric or or their band name? Because we knew they were tossing around a lot of other band names.
1: <laughs> the original lyric was about throat oysters. About
0: poo poo box.
3: I don't know. This one's kind of one note for me. I I can appreciate the chunkiness, and I can get behind some of those. Kurt vocal wails and I like the dissonant guitars but otherwise it's just kind of one note.
1: This is my least favorite song on the, the first side of this album I, I have to say
3: It's a, it's yeah. another Dale Crover uh,
4: song and, and you can definitely uh, you can definitely tell and and I'd never sat down and kind of gone song by song and looked at who played drums on what but but having done so you can definitely hear the uh, hear the, Dar- the Dale Krover songs and, and they definitely ha- have more of that plotting you know, kind of sludgy drum than than Chad's.
0: Is this the one Josh said sounds like a a sitcom's idea? No. Of a Doom metal or wait, song?
1: maybe that Matt?
4: that was
0: my note. But I I just oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: I, I feel like this is you know if, if somebody wanted to make like a parody, uh, yeah, met do metal song, they they would do something like this.
1: <laughs> I when you're, you're you, kind of right, I, I read mean, that, just, I laughed. Yeah. I was like that. Yes, yeah. that does sound. It like is it. pretty <laughs> funny.
0: It's just so so sludgy and the yeah. day
1: my kid went grunge. <laughs> a doom metal he's song. Got, for he's got it. the punk syndrome. I really wish the grunge that, syndrome.
0: I know you're referencing the the day my kid went punk, which is amazing in its own right. I wish they did an update a few years later. The day my kid went grunge and started. <laughs> they just started keep going through genres
1: of it. The day my kid went EDM in like the late nineties. He's like he's like got a pacifier this in giant, his mouth and, and giant like,
3: pants. The, could it my... be DJ Connor from Roseanne? That'd be perfect.
1: <laughs> DJ yes, Connor, wait! Oh, for a second, I was <laughs> for a second I thought you meant like DJ Connor, like his he was an actual DJ on the show. <laughs> no,
3: I, well, I always like, said I if like, I
0: was ever a DJ, I would call myself DJ <laughs>
3: Connor. That's pretty
1: good. Yeah. Pretty
0: the good. day my kid discovered American football and started experimenting with strange <laughs> kid time kid signatures,
1: went- <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> he started tuning yeah. his guitars all strange and. Uh, yeah, I don't have a lot to say about paper cuts other than a de- depressing yeah. lyric matter, very dark, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It's not
0: so fun to listen to. Yeah, like some of the other but,
1: ones. But I do think the next one is is fun to listen to. Are we ready to go on to the next one? Ooh. I think so. Yes. Yes. Negative creep. Yes, uh, kings. Uh,
0: Opening little riff yeah, there uh,
1: again. Feedback intro. I have to say, um, and I, I do have a, a, a memory I want to share with this one. So going back to we're talking about syncing a hard day's night with uh, bleach <laughs> oh, or attempting boy. it. Here we my go. My first memory of this song, and I just for some reason can't get it out of my head every time I hear it is if you do sync up bleach and a hard day's night. I don't know where you have to start. This song comes on right as Ringo Starr is, like, dancing really crazy at a party. And for some reason in my head, every time I hear Negative Creep, I just imagine Ringo Starr, like, just dancing like a maniac. That's Um, fantastic. And And now
0: because of you saying that, I can't unsee that, even though I've never seen that. (laughs) I've never seen that either. The image is
1: disturbing, and I'm not sure that I like it. It, it's, It's just something funny. And then so Negative Creep. Ringo Star. Well, I mean if it's shoe fans. I actually have heard this on the radio before. Um this this is one they really? do play sometimes, um, at least on some stations. I've never heard that. And uh of course the, the daddy's little girl ain't a girl no more thing, uh is kind of the I guess it's kind of the hook. I don't know. It sounds it seems like that yeah, or it's, I'm a it's negative creep. <laughs> Either one of those is the hook. Well that's the I, I thought
0: of that as the verse. Just I'm I'm a negative creep repeated over yeah. and over is the verse. Daddy's Little Girls, of course.
4: This is the only Nirvana song to end in a studio fade-out.
0: Yeah, and I don't care I, I for I think that. it really you, works for the song, but... Uh, okay. I,
1: I mean, I it's too. as repetitive as so some too. of the others. I feel like they all can fade-out in some ways. <laughs> They just sort of repeat the thing I, over and over.
0: I almost never like a fade-out. Just a personal thing about me. Almost never. And I don't think this I – th- I like this song, but I think they could have ended it differently.
3: I was fine with it. I was like, okay, that song could go on forever. I'll buy it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and Matt, you had the note about uh, where the – and this is kind of somewhat common uh, if you know a little bit about Nirvana, but where the daddy's little girl in A Girl No More came from.
4: Uh, well, uh, I have not seen it confirmed. that It was a- an overt reference to uh, the Mudhoney song uh, Sweet Little Thing Ain't Sweet No More. Uh, on Superfuzz Big Muff, um, the Mud Honey was was first, so it, it's it's likely that Kurt would have heard that song. But that's that's just what it what it reminded me of.
3: Maybe he thought it was. I think he said something about that it was just subconscious theft it, or something. He said it was just a case of. Uh, it was definitely noticed
1: theft. at the time. <laughs> like I imagine well, people I, in the audience in the in the Seattle music scene are like listening to well, it and yeah. like, hey, wait a second.
3: He, <laughs> he was asked about it for sure. Yeah. There's there is a quote where he does say that. It was a real gotcha interview. Man, I'm gonna say it though. This is my favorite song of the whole album.
1: Right? It, it, this is a great song. I, Maybe
3: I, I, my favorite Nirvana song. Ooh, damn, man, damn, like, pulling
1: that I, out before our series on Nirvana is even done. <laughs> well,
3: I said I'll have to wait for you know re-listens to determine that. But like this checks all the boxes for me. The bass really kicks ass. Drums are off the chain. Guitars are just ready to you know knuckle fight some bros or something. And I don't know why, but my favorite part of this whole song is when Kurt says. I'm a negative creep and I'm stoned rather than saying when I'm stoned
2: <laughs> right. because that just
3: comes off way more threatening. Like, wait, it he's a negative creep and he's stoned. <laughs> Yikes. Fuck that guy. You know, like I'm, but no, this song rules. It's a 10 out of a 10 for me. Like I love this fucking song.
1: I do kind of wonder the the lyrical connection between I'm a negative creep with daddy's little girl, ain't a girl no more. Like, I, I don't know. Just, it sounds very sinister. Uh, you're right, Logan. It is very like dark, sinister kind of yeah overtone. But I do She's kind like, of wonder, like, what's mm-hmm. the connection between those? Because like, at first I was like, oh, daddy's a girl in a girl no more. He's writing about father-daughter relations. Because like, Ben a son, uh, which is on an incesticide, I'm but so. I think comes from this era, uh, ha- has a similar sort of father-daughter kind of thing mm. uh but i don't know i just i'm a negative creep what does that mean exactly you know
3: i, I don't know but i'm scared of it and i'm down with that
1: song
0: <laughs> when i was a teenager that really spoke to my self-loathing and oh, yeah. social That's isolation deep. so i was like oh, yeah, yeah fuck yeah i'm a negative creep and i, I i'd <laughs> like to listen to this man shouted angrily <laughs>
1: I'm a negative creep and I'm stoned too. I I too sometimes smoke marijuana. (laughs) Uh, Matt, what are your thoughts on negative creep?
4: I I like it. Um, I, I'm not as enamored with it, I I guess, as, as maybe everybody else is. I mean, it's, it's definitely in the, you know, above the median on the album. Um, I, I think it sounds a lot tighter and a lot better than some of the other tracks. You know, it, it, um,
3: yeah there's some good yeah it's pretty tight
4: i, I think they the, the the recording uh of the song came out came out really good um i and
3: I definitely do remember
4: you know with my disc man in high school sitting in the library waiting to get picked up after school and and you know rocking out to to negative creep and to, into this album <laughs> overall but uh, it's it's definitely you know a keeper you know not, not one that you want to skip
1: not a skipper all right so at least for the vinyl version that ends side one and i feel like side one of bleach is very solid um compared to side two which we'll get into now side Uh, two ends strong though it does but Uh, but the next uh, song is scoff One thing I noticed right off is we have a different kind of intro. It's not bass. It's not feedback squelch. It is drums. It's a solo drum intro, which kind of sets the trend for this side as it happens three times on this side. Um, almost half and, of the and songs. And later, in
0: later Nirvana albums, it, it's the
1: thing yeah. they tend to do. Also, the, the double kick makes another appearance on this song as it did on uh, School. Definitely.
3: Is this
4: the the drum intro where it kind of feels like it's not on beat, and then the guitar comes in and it is on beat? Um, it, it might uh, be
1: sifting. It's, it's oh,
4: hard no. to hard to nail is down that swap what meat? the beat is. Are you talking about SWAT?
0: Yeah, meat?
1: it's one of them, sifting or Mr. Mustache. Both those. Oh uh, yeah. It, it's it's not Mr.
4: Mustache, and, and and maybe because I'm not able to re- to recall even you know I, I listened to the record that, you know just the other day. Uh, I do like the drum intro. This one, you know, it isn't as much as one of my, one of my favorites, but, uh, it does, it does bring back that double kick for sure.
3: Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of a, definitely don't sleep on this one. Kind of, uh, I don't think it's a top tier track, but I think it's up there. Like I, I do like the double bass peddling would have made a great opening track. I still think, and there's hmm. good, good vocal wailing, but I feel like they cut off that last one at the very end, like a little too sharply, but, uh, I do like the "Give me back my alcohol, give me back yep. my
1: alcohol." I
3: love that. That's great. Yeah, it's really it, catchy. This song has yeah. a
1: very like tribal beat, drum give circle my, vibe. Like, my. I guess drum circle like has <laughs> gives the the idea that it's like hippies or something, but it's definitely not that. But it, it has this like just very drum heavy sound to it because you've got a lot of tom, is this playing, floor tom, a lot of bass drums. It just is very, yeah, very like primal sounding almost. I'm checking that now. Um, lyrically I, I guess I should mention uh, with the, the, oh. it's it's about the the whole alcoholism thing, which Kurt would did Kurt go back and talk about did he have other songs about alcoholism now that I'm thinking about it? Uh, Matt, I feel like he would. <laughs> but he definitely this one is about alcoholism and and that kind of thing. Um
0: The song wait, the song that says give me back my alcohol yes, over true. and over <laughs> and over. Yeah is about is about alcohol
1: that's true it is.
0: it is a catchy i agree with logan although this is not my favorite song it's it's it is a, a catchy bit just the give me back my alcohol yeah the give me back screamed give over and
3: back. over give me back give me back bye, give me back
2: bye, give me yeah back,
4: that's bye. great it's it's got good parts that have been forced together because i do like to give me back my alcohol and i do like the uh the heal a million kill a million uh outro as well or Uh but um, it's, it's kind of, it's an, it's an undercooked. I,
1: I feel. All right. Any other thoughts on scoff?
3: I will say that this is scoff is the first song in a trilogy for me,
1: a trilogy trilogy (laughs) that you will, that you will reveal as we go, as we go. (laughs) Okay. So the next song is swap meat. And if you thought, Hey, There's a drum intro on the last song. They're done with feedback intros. You're wrong. (laughs) Because guess who's back? Our old friend Feedback Squelch intro. (laughs) Um, Back and better better than ever. Back and better than ever. i And according to various sources, including the NME article from 2018, this song, uh, well, there's a few different ideas of what it's about, but uh, one is that Kurt saw a couple at a swap meet get into an argument uh, and wrote a song about this couple. Uh, Matt, I noticed in your notes you mentioned that it could be about people he knew in Aberdeen.
4: I, yes, i uh, the, the crossbook d- does make reference to um, you know, several kind of colorful characters that, that occur new in Aberdeen. And I, I think this at least is in part about one of those
2: people.
1: And, uh, I I do, I don't know. This is one that's kind of mid tier for me. It's not top tier. It's not the bottom, but it's just sort of in the middle. I don't know. It's all right.
4: I I I agree with that. This works where scoff doesn't work as well. It's kind of got some of the same elements, but, but I, I think this, this pulls it off better.
3: I think it's a great follow up to scoff like a sequel. Okay. So that's part of my trilogy. What is, uh, you know, I just think there's some swagger to this track. There's, there's some good riffage going on that I don't think should be totally slept on, but I think it's a good follow up to scoff. And I kind of like the imagery that it just puts in my head of a swap meet. That kind of sounds interesting and the type of people that would be there. And, I don't know. That was just kind of a fun idea,
1: you know. Kind of like the interplay on Floyd the Barber between shaved and shamed. I like the the, the change up between uh, keep the bitterness close to his heart, and then isn't it like keep the cigarettes close to it like c- cigarettes, cigarettes and bitterness? I feel like get treated well, it's out.
4: Cigarettes, he keeps his cigarettes close to his heart. Keeps her photographs close to her heart. Keep the bitterness close
0: to yeah. The heart.
1: I, it, I actually really like it's that a great closer that, the to the heart kind of change there. Blake, what are your thoughts it, on swap meet?
0: It, I also think it's it's kind of an in the middle song, but I I, I am a fan of the that that chorus where it's uh, I like the up upbeatness of it. The whole
2: keeps the cigarettes close to his
0: heart. Uh, <laughs> that thing. What,
1: how yeah. does how does everyone feel about swap meets in general? <laughs> what are your thoughts Not, on swap? It's meets? Never been part of my life. Really, with toy collecting,
0: you never went to a swap meet. I go to thrift stores and like uh, comic cons and that sort of thing. The swap meet, I have been to a swap meet.
4: Uh, I I went to one north of town, and it's it's an it's a weird scene. It's it's kind of like a an outdoor flea market. You know, folks show up with trailers and stuff. But um, you know, you'll see old. You know, you see arts and crafts. You'll see. You know, people selling confederate flags, stuff. Confederate, confederate flags, flags guns, yes. <laughs> Many
1: confederate as well. flags as you can throw. A homemade MAGA at. hats. Some, some I, hatchet men.
0: I should point out that just looking at lyrics, this song seems to have by far more lyrics than any <laughs> other song.
1: That's, There's like
0: a lot of words packed into this huh. one, whereas other songs are just like a few words said over and over. There's like a whole story here. Yeah,
1: that's a good point.
0: Although it kind of it does repeat, I guess. <laughs> so, it makes fewer words look like more when you repeat the verses, which I guess like every song does. Just kind of re- repeats the the same verse, not every song, but a lot of them. All right,
1: any other thoughts on Swap Meet? No? This
4: was the intro that I was thinking of, the, the syncopated drums that Yes, you think they're going to go into one beat, and then the guitar comes yeah, in and right. it's a different that's, beat. I, I think that works really well.
0: Yeah, it's that swagger. Or did it, you just hear daranaranaranaranaranaranaranaran exactly. and you're and you don't know where the downbeat is, but I think the drums kick in, and then you're like, oh, there's the downbeat. Yeah, I
3: thought that was. I think that constitutes a don't sleep on it because that's something you don't really hear too often with Nirvana, and I I thought that that's. That's really cool how they work that riff in with the drums. So, I th- I thought it
1: was pretty good. Yeah, don't sleep on it. Don't sleep on it. All right, next up is Mr. Mustache. Mr. Mustache, I will just say right now, is my favorite song on side two of this album, and partially because it has the lyric I, I was talking about earlier, that is probably my favorite lyric on the album. That makes you go, "What the what the hell is that?" Uh, which is "Poop as hard as a rock." <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the song is about, a uh, uh, it's, it's sort of skewing masculinity. It's based on this cartoon Kurt drew of a masculine character named Mr. Mustache. And, you know, he's going through talking about how the guy eats a lot of beef. But, yeah, there is the lyric where it stops, poop as hard as rock. So anyone else yeah
4: I love it <laughs> I would be willing to bet that there's some some father issues uh, wrapped up in, in some of these as well yeah.
0: did uh, he have any 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 father issues well or?
4: you know it's you know one of those things um, uh, I had not noticed the poop is hard as rock um, I, I, I like the uh, the yes I eat cow I am not proud right. uh, kind of ring out because he verse.
1: eats cow though his poop is hard as a that, rock that, that's, that's probably that's the, the, it's, that's the, the resulting circumstance mm-hmm.
0: He's got Hank Hill syndrome over there. <laughs> I, ju- I love this part. Easy in an easy chair. And I, I love the, the the melody that it, it it goes with it, too. But easy in an easy chair. Poop as hard as rock. <laughs> I don't like you anyway. Seal it in a box. Nice. Poo in a box. It's like a, it's it like is. A, it's like poetry. It's like poetry. Poo
1: in a box, right?
0: Why or didn't the they just call this album po- the Poo Poo Pee Pee Album? <laughs> too it's many the, humans. The potty, mouth at, the potty mouth Kurt Cobain has.
1: <laughs> Pee Pee
3: Poo Poo main riff of the song
0: destroys
3: yeah i love this destroys
1: riff. Yeah, the, the riff so good the riff in this song is is yeah phenomenal dun, dun, and it's like
0: it's like three different riffs in a row that all just keep getting better
1: yeah, yeah. I, the lyrics are churning I, I don't know but yeah that riff is, is
3: and awesome. i i think uh chris it's noah like, should get a shout out because his bass on this just like kills it's great
4: I, I think I'm, this this song really works for them. Uh, this is this is definitely an example of Kurt using his voice uh, a, as another instrument, and and kind of his doubled harmonies really
1: work on the. I was the gonna nap,
4: now yeah, you yeah. damn you section. Yeah, I
1: was gonna point that out. When, there's not a lot of songs in this album. I feel like that there's these very clear cut harmonizing going on. Um, but this is one of them that like, you can tell, yeah, the, the harmonizing is is there and it's really good.
0: A few toward the end, do it with it. Now you, uh, and when you hear that, you're like, oh, that's what Nirvana became later. Like they, he kept doing that. He kept that part and, and tossed away some of the weirder, uh, stuff that he was doing vocally.
1: They should have had a a harmony though on poop as hard as a rock. So it'd be like, they'd stop and then they'd all harmonize on that poop as hard as a rock.
0: (laughs) Poop as hard as... You guys are supposed to be harmonizing <laughs> with me. Yeah.
1: It,
0: it works really well on Zoom. Trust me.
4: Yeah, we, we should mention uh, we're we are uh, live uh, remotely via the internet, uh, all quarantined during this wild. And live, live is in quotes because it, when
2: you
0: hear when you hear this, it's not going to be live at all. <laughs> nope. well we're we... live now,
1: but it right, right,
0: won't right. be live
2: then.
1: But uh, other thoughts on Mr. Mustache.
0: It's it's a it's one of the the top ones maybe top three yeah, yeah it got to be it's one, it's one of my top favorites, favorites for sure yeah. it's like a proto you pop you can punk. also
1: look up the Mister Mustache cartoon that I was mentioning earlier it's online if you want to see Kurt's Mister Mustache right character Dale Crover on this yeah.
4: one? yeah is Dale on this one this this is another Dale Crover I thought yes all right. yeah the the Dale Crover songs um, they went to record in uh, in Seattle uh, and. In six hours, they put down nine and a half songs. Uh, if You Must, which I've not heard. I don't know that one. Some are uh, unreleased.
1: Some have never been yes. released. Yeah. Uh,
4: Downer, which wasn't wasn't on it originally, but it's on the reissue. Floyd the Barber, Paper Cuts. Uh, a song called Spank Through, which <laughs> I, I believe I've heard. I think that's on Incesticide. I'm not sure. Uh, Hairsp- Hairspray Queen, that's on Incesticide. Mm-hmm. Zeppelin, also uh, Beeswax, uh, Mexican Seafood, and then... Um, uh, half of a song called "Pin Cap Chew," and they they only got through half of it because they ran out of reel-to-reel tape and didn't want to pay. I think it was another ten or ten or twenty dollars.
1: Jason, to, Jason, <laughs> they,
4: they, J, Jason wasn't around <laughs> to, to front them the money, but yeah, those, those are the those are the Dave uh, or excuse me, Dale Clover songs.
0: I'm looking at the Mr. the Mister Mustache. Mustache comic strip that Kurt Cobain drew, and it features. Uh, Mustachio gets kicked dad. in the face, doesn't he? A fetus, it looks like, is kicking through the mom's stomach yeah, through Mr. Is. Must. It kind go, of reminds me of a Mike through Judge his head.
1: kind of thing almost. Like, if yeah. you see that Mike Judge animation he did before Beavis and Butthead, it yep. almost looks it like is, that. It's that
0: sort of thing. Very,
1: very profane, and uh, it's that potty humor he loves. <laughs> All right, uh, we're in the home stretch here. Three songs left, and, and we're on to the last uh, official song on the first version of Bleach, which is Sifting. I have to say of all of the songs in this album this is the one I have the least to say about. Yeah. <laughs> um there really isn't much to say. I will I will point out looking at Spotify this song has the least amount of plays of any of the songs on Bleach oh, so really? that seems indicative of its place in Bleach's uh, cat, you know in Nirvana's catalog on Bleach that it's the one that people go to the least.
2: Yeah. Um yeah, but yeah. I got
1: nothing on Sifting.
2: Well,
0: yeah, that that's not surprising coming after a a, a quick tempoed banger like Mr. Mustache, a, a slow and boring song like Sifting. I can understand why it would get over. Wasn't
3: it the longest song on the album too? It was like 5 minutes and something. But it just yeah. kind of It s- may have been up. It seemed like I don't know. Nothing stand out. It, it should would have been a good B side, but I do, I do kind of like the chorus, the, that kind of, I do like the chorus melody.
1: Is it the, I don't know nothing to you, right? The, yeah. Yes. Uh, don't, don't, don't have, have nothing, nothing for you. you. Don't have nothing for you. That, yeah, that, that that's, it gets in your head you. a little bit. Yeah. That's not bad. It'll
4: stick with you. I, I, I think I, I probably like sifting a little bit more than, than, than everybody else. Um, you know even before the don't have nothing for you um, you know your eyes teacher said your eyes the preacher said that, that that's a good uh,
1: good part um it's according to these, genius.com one user said that it has to do with marijuana use <laughs> like are looking you at kidding me? yeah that it looking at people's eyes or something like you know your eyes teacher said your eyes preacher said
0: those those lyric interpretations it, are always it, such yeah. garbage
1: hey some of them aren't bad <laughs> but you, i
0: mean like the amateur ones
1: yeah
4: the, uh, the the second half of the solo on on this song, I think works really well there there's a there's a ringing feedback uh, section that that really um you know really sticks with me. I, I think that, that it's pretty elevated from from some of the other um, other songs on this second half. I, I do think it could be edited a little bit. Uh, this one and, and paper cuts as well, I think are both the the longest songs on the record, yeah. and it shows.
0: You could probably take out 8 to 16 of the don't-have-nothing-for-use and maybe pick up the the pace a few BPMs and it'd be more listenable to me, but that's just my... They should have cut it. Take. Cut
1: it for a B-side. Someone's- Someone's, yeah, by the way, I'm just fun. imagining, you know, if anyone listens to this, the review, it's like, these guys think they know more about Nirvana than Nirvana. Like, they'd be like, these assholes are telling Nirvana how to do their songs. Who do they think they are? <laughs> like, we're like, as if, we're like, we as gotta, if Nirvana... gotta increase that speed a little bit, Nirvana.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> as if it matters. Like, they're, they're an extant band that's, that's like, like, first of all, he's not alive anymore. It doesn't matter. That sounded mean.
1: I I, I'm say. just thinking about like the super fan listening to this again. That's as once again earlier. If you're dear a
0: super, super fan, fan turn, turn this off, please, please turn it off.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, if you're if you're dumb as hell and have a fleeting interest <laughs> in music, th- then then keep it up. I, we want you to listen to every episode.
3: Can we talk uh, about the next song are- now? <laughs>
1: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> next yes, yes, up, please, Big please. Cheese.
3: Yeah, let's talk about this song. Big Cheese,
2: make me. says, go the office. Big Cheese, make me. Line says, what they say. Raggedy Mike, trading back.
1: Big Cheese, co- yes. co-written Hell with Chris yes. Novoselic. Uh, s- not on the original Bleach Snot? release. Uh, added in all the sub. I don't think so. It's added in all the subsequent reissues, though. This
4: was the B- the Love Buzz B side, and uh, should have been the
1: A side. And oh. it's supposedly about some issues they had with sub pop management, right, Matt?
4: Uh yes. Um, just generally, uh, you know, Kurt Kurt was antagonistic to a lot of people. Just. Generally, and and uh, <laughs> his his record company was was no uh, no exception. Um, and they famously, you know, in this period, were having uh, having a lot of money issues. And uh, I, I think Kurt felt um, unsupported, but also dictated to. And uh, that, that's kind of what drove a lot of the lyrics on this. Uh, th- this one, for me, is another great uh, harmony uh, chorus. Yes. from Kurt. The, the, the Which high part chord. is
0: which part is that? I forget. I'm looking at the lyrics here and I can't remember.
4: Uh something about a shady bag. Uh
0: black is black. Yes. Straight
3: bat. She's bad.
2: Uh-huh. Somebody hum it for
3: me. It has that double bass going and it's back, Is this a Dale, back. this
1: is a Dale Crover one? I'm not next.
3: looking at the lyrics right now, I so I can't
1: so, no. I don't know. Oh. But
0: I know the She she eats glue. How are you? <laughs>
1: It's another. It's on the kid-friendly unit shifter. I'm going to make the,
2: the Nirvana kids <laughs> album. That's
0: it. That that sounds like a, a duet with Daniel Johnston.
1: <laughs> hey, Daniel Johnston made. Uh, I mean, part of the reason he took off. Kurt Cobain wearing That's, the shirt. The high high right, how are you right. Shirt. and
0: and Sonic Youth. You know, being his yep. personal hype team.
1: Yep. Anyway, uh, I again the the last three on this album, I have very little to say about like. Sifting big cheese. I mean, anybody got any other thoughts on big cheese? Oh
3: man, my notes are cracking me up. On it says, What do you
1: have to say <laughs> about big
3: cheese? Yeah, it says, Punchy and angsty as hell. Yes, double bass. But uh, the funniest thing I put, <laughs> I don't know. I don't laugh at the, yeah. the symbols every time over the double bass parts for some reason. And I wrote, Sounds like sprinkling some sugar on some buttery bass rolls. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like the... <laughs>
1: Are you the, saying like it's so light? Well, it's just to like bass, I just like loud? It, the way it sounds for
3: some reason cracks me up every time I hear that cymbal over the double bass. It just sounds like it's just sprinkling some sugar on there. I don't know.
4: <laughs> I can definitely hear that with, with that really pingy ride. I don't know. That's a yeah, that's the a drums weird. In general, are, are recorded
1: oddly on this this record. All right, let's get into the last one, Downer. downer which again not on the original version of bleach uh is the shortest song on the album right it's less than two minutes
2: it's less than two minutes
1: and uh i don't know about you guys but when i was listening to it the kick drum sounded mixed incredibly high. Like it sounded louder than the vocals at points on my version. Um, But I I don't know if anybody else had that, that, uh, that, that experience listening to it about how loud the kick drum was, but I I don't know. Again, the last three on this are the, some of the weakest on the album for me. And, And this one, I just really don't have a ton to say. I know Downer is also on incesticide, right? At least a version of it. I don't know if it's the same. I don't, or it's a different one it
4: might be the fecal matter uh, demo, demo on Incesticide side because the, there there is a uh, an earlier uh, version of downer
1: the vocals on it are very odd the, the way it's talking it's got some
0: weird yeah some weird talking vocals that you don't really hear again from him that i know of
1: yeah logan what were you saying
0: i was say i i love
3: this one i think it's it's just uh, I the only thing about it though i will say is that it's a weird placement it seems like it's tacked on um but i think the lyrics really shine and it's one of Well what kind of is Oh is it is that the, one of the ones they added Okay well it's yes. one of my yeah, This wasn't on the
4: release in 89
3: It's one of actually my favorite Nirvana tracks and i really like the bland boring plain lyric that really resonates and just being so utterly bored with more of the same i don't know i can i can relate to that
0: Is that where he goes Blam boring. Play
3: Yeah. I always thought it was pain when I was blank. <laughs> but upon reading the lyrics I'm like, oh blaming. I like boring. how the last blank. word of each of those lines he Yeah. No, I, I, I like Downer. Yeah, thoughts um, on Downer?
4: I, I I like it a lot as well. Um it, it's it's a it's a very early song. Um it's it's interesting to, to listen to all the songs in this and you kinda almost hear Kurt's progression, you know, uh from from writing one type of song to more than one type of song, I, I guess this is, but this is kind of the kernel of, you know, who he is as a songwriter. It's got all the elements. It's got, you know, the word play, it's got, mm-hmm. um, the loud quiet. It's, uh, it's got, um, interesting chord progressions. It, it, it works. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that they decided to put it out on, on the, on the re-release.
1: Okay. Um, well, let me, uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up then. So my
0: Twitter bio just says, Conservative, communist, apocalyptic bastard.
1: <laughs> so uh, as far as legacy goes, uh, just some kind of critical takes here. Pitchfork, I noticed, gave this in its retrospective uh, review an 85 Rolling Stone four stars again. I don't know if those were original reviews. Probably, I mean Pitchforks was not, but Rolling Stone I don't know if four stars was for it originally or later on. Um, but it was well well received critically initially. Not a big seller initially though. Um, looking over sort of uh, best of all time list, NME puts it at its four hundred and sixtieth out of five hundred greatest albums ever, and Pitchfork on its puts it at ninety eight on its uh, 100 best of the 1980s, uh noticeably Rolling Stone did not put it on their 500 greatest albums list nor is it in either of the 1000 recordings to hear before you die books I looked at. So that being said, you can die without ever hearing Bleach. Oh. Oh,
0: I don't know if I agree with that. At least hear like one song off of it. So
1: while it did not initially sell well and was not a nationwide hit, it only sold 40,000 copies before Nevermind came out. The album did reportedly get Nirvana signed to Geffen Records and received praise from bands such as Sonic Youth at the time of release. And um, I'd like to kind of wrap up the legacy part here with this uh, anecdote from an article in Rolling Stone by Andy Green. Um, Green was interviewing Jack Indino, who was the producer of Bleach uh, from Reciprocal Studios. And Jack Indino was talking about his memories of recording Bleach. And he said, quote, Even Indino is not too grizzled a rock veteran to brighten at one memory he owes to having recorded Bleach. It dates from a backstage meeting in Seattle with rock pioneer Iggy Pop. When I met Iggy Pop, he said, Oh, yeah, you made that good good Nirvana record. And Dino recalls with a big, bright smile. Iggy was effusive. He was thrilled to pieces. He went on about how much he loved that Bleach album. Oh, that's right. So rag. apparently Iggy Pop thought there was only one good Nirvana album, and it was Bleach.
0: Did he really mean by that 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 was the only good <laughs> one? He
1: said, You made the good Nirvana record. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Man.
0: I mean... Talk about a backhanded I would be compliment. willing to bet that
4: there are plenty of diehard Bleach uh, contrarians. For sure, I, I did. I did run across at least uh, one uh, internet article that was making the case for "Downer" to be the best Nirvana song. Yes. I, so I,
0: I also came. That's a big Google
3: hit. You agree with that, Logan? I think it's definitely <laughs> one of a. It could be like
1: I. It's up there for sure. Okay, so let's let's actually get to that. Favorite song off of Bleach. Uh, for me, I actually put Love Buzz. <laughs> um, although I have to say I like Mr. Mustache. I, I just love the verse riff on Mr. Mustache. But uh, what do you guys think? What's yeah. your favorite song? Is this the same? Like, are we going to... Is this the banger? Is this our favorite? What is the banger? Yeah, what yeah, is what your... Is what's the one band? you... Yeah. You, you
0: so, like the, so what's the banger? Okay. I think the banger... Might be Mr. Mustache. It is.
1: A, it is a good one.
0: I would say negative creep for me. For me, negative creep
3: is the sleeper. The sleeper. I, I put negative creep or school. But if I had to pick one, I'd probably. Oh shit! I forgot about I'd school. I'd probably I mean, say slaps I'd probably say negative creep for me for sure.
4: It's it's tough. I I feel like there's there's a field. You know, there's kind of two tiers of songs, and 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 each tier has. A lot of stuff that's equally good um my banger i my banger is about a girl I, I just think it's uh okay. it's such a an elevated um an elevated song from the terms of, uh, of songwriting it's uh, it's got the melodies it's got the harmonies it's everything that they're going to go do and and be as, as nirvana really blows up
1: i think these uh, what our favorites are really gonna like uh, give interesting insight into our personalities say yes um least favorite or skippable for me it's sifting same sifting is my same for me skip it yeah i skipped it too sifting more like skipping (laughs) (laughs) matt what's your what's your i I guess i'm the only one who
3: uh
4: who's got love for sifting um i i'd probably skip scoff it it just it it doesn't do it for me sifting is 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 pretty skippable as well though I, i would say
0: I did say sifting, but I could also skip Love Buzz, and I know that's a, a so hot bitch. take.
1: <laughs> I don't love Love Buzz, by the way. I feel like I've been pushed into a position of like thinking Love Buzz is my favorite Nirvana song ever. I just uh, it is. It's your favorite, whatever. Um, you like it better. What song would you cover? Uh, and, this uh, what's our Don't one. Sleep on a Track? Oh, sorry. I thought that was best. Isn't that best track? what's don't sleep on it what's don't no, sleep on it somebody explain this to me. that's different from banger oh yeah well
0: i said negative creep was my sleeper meaning the same thing that as that. don't sleep on it uh, don't sleep don't sleep on negative creep
1: i i don't know what my don't sleep on it is um mine's a scoff maybe mr mustache scoff Scoff. Good.
3: and then i the only other one i had it on was a swat meat swat meat is is
4: also my my don't sleep on it i it's a lot of
3: fun
1: yeah
4: okay what uh? What
1: song would you cover? And, and for this one I, I was thinking, it depends on who is singing in the band. <laughs> because I, I yeah. think it would be funny to make Matt sing Mr. Mustache, so he would have to say Poop As Hard As Rock. <laughs> um, but the the problem I have with this album as far as covering is there's a lot of screaming. Yeah, uh, Don't know. Well, there's you don't have to scream. I'm you like,
3: can make it your own. You don't have to true. do it.
0: This is an This is a fantasy scenario. So.
1: I, I was thinking actually, what's funny is school would be a good one to cover, and I think that's because I watched that post Malone live stream and he covered school, yeah. and I was like, he kind of made it look easy. <laughs> I was like, what, you know, I mean, school wasn't too hard.
0: Their version really did smack, though. <laughs> I I would pick Downer.
1: Yeah, I thought about that. It's the quickest. It's it's kind of got this. It'd cool be hard. It'd be hard to part. cram
3: all those lyrics.
0: Yeah, in. Yeah, I think it would be fun though, if if it could be pulled off. I don't know. Um, Who knows? Mine is 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 kind of a practical one, but it would it would be practical, but also really fun. And again, it's negative creep. I keep saying that, but I can see uh, us or bands that I've been in pulling it off. The hardest thing, again, would be the vocals, because it's just like you have to shred your vocal cords. You don't to... have to. You don't have to. You could do it yeah. differently, sure. You could do it in a different way, a more poppy way. Matt, what would you cover? Uh, I think school. I, Mr. Mustache
4: would, would, would be kind of 1A, but uh, school's just so so much fun. Um, the the breakdown with the ride cymbal and,
1: and, and kind of building back
4: up, I, I think it'd be the most fun to cover
1: so uh would you buy it on vinyl um I, I was gonna say i do own it on vinyl but it's a reissue and i didn't intend to buy it it just sort of i came across it didn't own bleach so i got it i actually have to say in terms of format for some reason this strikes me as a cassette type album <laughs> i don't know why that is it just seems like an album you would put in your cassette deck in your car was it even and drive around listening to was it released on cassette I have. I actually have two copies of it on cassette. I yeah. thought about giving it, one away for the podcast. For, you know, yeah. give a, a cassette of Bleach if you, Away. If you
3: want to give that away uh, to me, you to could. To Logan. Uh, it's like, but, but for some reason it, it just... Is
0: an original vinyl of this worth anything? Uh,
4: Discogs has it for $2,000, the first Jeez. present. Jesus uh, th- that's, Christ. That's the sub
1: pop. It just, it seems like it's such a, a grungy, dirty album that like, I don't, vinyl just doesn't seem like the right format. For some reason, cassette to me, I think of cassette, I think of like, you're blasting it and it's just loud and dirty and you're not really it's gonna worried about the fidelity shittier. of the recording, you know?
0: It's going to put some shit on top of your shit. <laughs> I I would like personally. I really would like to have it on vinyl. To me, it just seems like a really cool one to have on vinyl. But now I know that I never will, uh, except for except the for the reissue, if, which
1: is very affordable and comes with a live album.
0: Okay, well, that would yeah, be cool. if it was if it was the right price,
3: I would definitely buy the reissue. I'd get it. I don't have it, but I I would listen to it on tape though, just for fun.
4: <laughs> I think t- I think tape would be fun, and I, and I I like your your notion of of uh, albums that that are best listened to on tape. Um, I I have a feeling we're going to find that we will want to buy, you know, there are a few albums that we would probably not want to buy on vinyl, at least in in a reissue context, uh, knowing us as I do.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. So wrapping up uh, last final thoughts here on, bleach so this like um, a rating I, I, are we giving I just, a
3: rating or are we yeah
1: I, I don't know what do we want to do as far as that i, I didn't know we don't really have a rating system set up how many I, what I, do you think Blake?
0: so if if we heard this and it was the first thing we ever heard from nirvana would we say i want more of that or i want the of that <laughs> <laughs> uh... that's our rating scale more of that less of that no you can I'll
1: delete Logan, that what, I'll
0: delete Logan that. what were you saying well i what i did
3: is i so i wrote all the songs that i liked and and that was floyd the barber school negative creep scoff swap Meat, mr mustache big cheese and downer and so it ended up being like 60% so i gave it a 6 out of 10
1: okay yeah i didn't okay. i didn't go through and do it as systematically as that i was thinking I would probably give it uh, like a 75%, you know, like a like a C kind of range. Uh, Let's
0: each have our own entirely yeah, different rating scale. I know. We need, scale. A, we need our own rating <laughs> <It's fine. laughs> No, I want four different ones because I have a star system.
1: <laughs> can I get Hook? Can I give it some hooves? Uh, Six out of ten. I steal from your other podcast? I'm going to give it three hooves.
3: Six out of ten propane tanks.
0: Three hooves and a tail. <laughs> Seven propane.
4: This Matt? is a three, three yeah. and a
1: half out of five needles record. See, I, I, I just, I don't know. I feel like it's a, a, one of those records that it's not. I, like you were saying, Blake. You know, if I heard this and I never heard anything else by Nirvana, would I want more? I don't know if I would <laughs> necessarily because it's not really my. It's straight. Yeah, it's thing. weird because you
0: don't know what's coming. Like if you didn't know what they were gonna be, it would be totally different. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's good. But do I want more from this metal
3: doom punky yeah. weird? I mean, band? I would I would hope that it would they'd expand on that and go in more in that direction off the songs yeah. that I picked that I liked. So that would yeah. probably be different than Nevermind.
1: Yeah, because Nevermind sort of goes in the about a girl direction.
3: Yeah, yeah I, I
0: feel some... like they went in the about a girl direction, but added a lot of
1: distortion. I'd like
3: to hear. I I would like to hear more of that. Mine sixty percent. Well, that that leans towards a more of that.
1: Yeah, yeah.
4: I think that what I think that our opinion would change. obviously would, but I would be very curious to know in the what if what if universe what a Dave Grohl drumming on Bleach would sound like because I I think it would improve. It'd be a lot more consistent and uh, and a
0: lot more cohesive. Probably, it would be a lot more clean and I, and consistent with tempo. But that doesn't mean it better. Probably
3: wouldn't be as cool in their like their scene or whatever whatever their clique was in Seattle. Yeah, probably wouldn't be as accepted.
1: It is funny that that when Dave Grohl joined, they seemed to get more polished in a way because Dave Grohl was in like a hardcore band, wasn't he? When they yeah. met, like I mean, he wasn't in like a band that would you would think of. Like, I bet if that guy joined this other band, they would suddenly get really. A lot more, you I know, think, polished and poppy.
0: I think Butch Vig had a lot to do with Probably, the polish yeah. part of that.
1: Hey, that's the next episode, Blake. What? Did I just tease it? You, te- you teased uh, the next episode continuing in the Sturmata. But before we get to that, um, other thoughts on Bleach? Final thoughts? Anybody have anything else? So,
0: I give it a 3.75 stars. I want to say four. Four stars. Four stars
1: three hooves
0: all right it's fair enough it's
1: a three and a half bleach needle record <laughs>
0: three and a, bleach those works bleach bleach your works
3: if we ever formed uh, a nirvana cover band could we call it uh bleach boys and just cover bleach
1: <laughs> just cover bleach <laughs> bleach boys bleach boys
3: <laughs> bleach, just play bleach, bleach front to back I like
1: it bleach house somebody's got to scream the whole time though <laughs> um,
2: House.
1: I, I was going to say one one final <laughs> thought I had about bleach was that I, I think it's interesting to look at this album in the the context of like classic bands, you know, all time bands like your your Beatles or your your Led Zeppelins who like because I feel like Nirvana is in that sort of is considered part of that same
2: in you know the pantheon, tier, that
1: pantheon. But like you think of those bands, Nirvana. comes from this era where like their first album is on this sort of uh, independent label, doesn't really get noticed, then they get picked up by the majors, then they – like there's not a Beatles album that the Beatles' first album is like – you know, I guess their Hamburg sort of days are like that, but there's not like a Led Zeppelin, you know, album that you could listen to and go like, before they got big, this is what they sort of sounded like. I just, I yeah, think that mu-
0: the industry was completely different, right?
1: Then, I though. mean, I feel like Nirvana is sort of set that template of bands after them were like, hey, the way to go is. You know, you get yeah. on an indie label, you put out an album first on that, you get noticed through touring and that to get picked up by a major. Like I know R.E.M. had kind of done that before them, but, you know, it was just a little different because Nirvana kind of became the, the prototypical indie band story for the 90s in some ways.
4: Sonic Youth as well, uh, yeah. who, who brought him to Geffen, you know, kind of had a similar trajectory and, and Kurt was a big Sonic Youth fan, which, which isn't is
0: surprising. How have we not even mentioned the Pixies? I mean, probably because oh, this man. album doesn't yeah. sound like the Pixies at all. That's true. But, but it's in there. It's in the DNA there somewhere.
1: Yeah. So any other thoughts before we close it out?
3: I said, I think this process made me enjoy the album a little bit more. I think the first time I ever heard the album, I was a little underwhelmed. Um, then I listened to it like again in my 20s, and I was like, oh, this is a little bit better than the last time I heard it. And kind of same with this time. So... Yeah, I enjoyed the listening to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I feel that way too. I, I never really sat down and listened to it all the way through until this. So Yeah, I listened to um, it a lot. <laughs> like Mr. Mustache is Mr. Mm-hmm. Mustache I I never really given the time of day and and I end up being one I really liked. It, Don't it, sleep it on that one.
4: Do not sleep on it.
2: Well, um, yeah, I
0: I enjoyed uh revisiting something I hadn't heard in 15 or so years. Yeah.
1: Thanks for listening to More of That Presents Discographology. More of That can be found anywhere you stream music, including Bandcamp at moreofthat.bandcamp.com and SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash moreofthatband.
4: You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at discographology and at moreofthatband.
3: And if you want to check out some of the music that I write, you can check out Logan Williams music on YouTube or soundcloud.com forward slash Logan Williams music.
0: We are on the Ox podcast network. That's AUX. There are currently two other podcasts on there. One that I do called shelf life. It's about toy collecting and one that I produce that my wife does called. Are you there pod? It's about young adult novels.
1: Please join us next time when we'll be looking at the next album in Nirvana's catalog, Nevermind. Now here is one of our songs to lead us out.